Look at me land, lots of land And the starry skies above Don't fence me in Let me ride through the wide open country that I love Don't fence me in Let me be by myself in the evening breeze Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees Send me off forever, but I ask you please Don't fence me in Don't fence me in Just turn me loose Let me straddle my own saddle underneath the western skies On my guides Let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences I do. I do. I do a lot, especially when I listen to uh, President Trump, because uh, I laugh out loud not in not in just absolute, just, just pure mockery or what have you. Of course, I it's usually in joy. Well, it's all, almost always in joy at the way the president is handling things, and he just sometimes people. Uh, this guy does not give an f. Which I love. I love it about him. Uh, I've always loved that about him. I loved it about him when he was uh, campaigning. I loved it about him when he became president. And every time you turn around, whenever President Trump makes a speech, he just drives everybody else up the wall and they all go crazy and they all have their, get their panels together and freak out about every single word he said. And they go berserk and he just makes them crazy. 
and I like that. It's like it, it's it, 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 he triggers more people in this country, and and they just go bat crap crazy. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, I love it. I I just uh, I love it, and, and it's not even him being. It's not even him being passive aggressive, really. It's just him being him, and his mere existence drives everybody bonkers. And they can't stand it when they can't control him or take him over or do whatever. And and, and they just uh, they they just have to go nuts. I mean, they just go nuts. And they, they did that last night when the president introduced uh, and declared that uh, Brett Kavanaugh would be the, of course, new Supreme Court justice. It was his swearing in. Of the official swearing in, and uh, and and actually, the president did say something that technically is inaccurate. But who the hell cares at this point? This is just too much fun. And it's interesting how now I loved all the articles. In fact, that one tweet that got the astronaut in trouble, where he quoted Winston Churchill. Uh, and he talked about magnanimity and victory and all that kind of stuff, and he got in trouble for that. But you have people like him, and people forget that the, the tweet itself was ridiculous because the the expectation now is that when Kavanaugh go, is confirmed that we need to all keep quiet. Now, now, don't celebrate. It's not cool to celebrate. It's It's not a time to celebrate. Right, exactly. Come on. We got we got to sit there and put up with this stuff for weeks on end. Then finally, it's victorious, and we got to keep now. Now keep your celebrations down. It's like screw you. This was fun. This was a this was a humiliation of the left, and deservedly so. And we'll do the same in November for the election. But but still, that's now. The, Seemingly, every time I turn around, there's some editorial, and usually it's like the the never Trump people, the 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 Republicans out there who are writing articles about now this is unbecoming of the conservatives to celebrate such things, and we need to be more uh, demure and more humble. It's like, oh, shove it! This this guy went through hell here, and and you all aided it and abetted it. And when we are victorious after you guys try to drive him into the ground, you better bet your sweet ass we're going to make a big deal of this and we're going to enjoy it. And it and we're going to be and it's not a matter of sore winners. But when you win, it's fun. When you win, it's good. Believe me, what do you think if, if, if Kavanaugh had not been confirmed? What do you think the left would have been doing with this? What do you think the Democrats would be doing with this? What do you think the never Trump punditry would be doing with this? They'd be like, see, this this administration's off the rails. This spells hell for the administration. It's the it's the end of the Trump administration as we know it. The Trump administration on its last dying breath, blah, blah, blah. They oh, they'd be they'd be milking this to to never end. That's that's the kind of situation you'd get uh, now. So you know what? That's not a reason for us to make it worse, but it, it, it's certainly not a reason for us to to shut up and be quiet about it. Lord, but President Trump, this was funny, and I I, I just I had to I had to laugh about it because it was. Uh, I would like to begin tonight's <laughs> proceeding differently than perhaps any other event 
of such magnitude. Of course you would. You're President Trump. Of course you would like to begin an event unlike any other event of its kind and its magnitude. Of course, President Trump. Knock yourself out, my friend. You go, you go for it, my friend. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize <laughs> to Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering <laughs> you have been forced to endure. This is awesome. On be- uh, th- this, this drove the left friggin' nuts. It drove them crazy. I mean, it was it was the best possible outcome of a swearing in ceremony you could possibly imagine is President Trump apologizing to Judge Kavanaugh on behalf of the nation. I would have I didn't I didn't bother messing around with Twitter at the time because I, I figured all the usual suspects, all the usual idiots were all out in force at the time. And so, uh, you know, Twitter being the place where all good things go to die, I figured that that would be the one cesspool where we'd have everybody kind of in, in one little place. And so I didn't have to bother with them. They didn't have to worry about Twitter. Just just turn it off. Don't even pay attention to it. And you you let those people all go go their crazy way. I mean, I'm on Twitter still, and I still do some things on it. Uh, and I, but I don't, I don't particularly pay attention to the, uh, the negativity. Occasionally I'll do something, uh, snarky. I, I, I tweeted about Susan Rice running against Susan Collins and I tweeted about Sarah Palin. One, one thing I tweeted was a, was a picture of, uh, uh, Jonestown, which I thought was actually pretty funny picture of Jonestown and said, Oh, look, uh, I got a I got a preview of the of the of the planning for the uh, 2020 Democratic National Convention. I thought that was pretty funny, to tell you the truth. I like that. If I do say so myself. Anyway, let me go. Let me just let me just go back to the beginning because this is so great, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Tonight, proceeding differently than perhaps any other event of such magnitude. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize. To Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering you have been forced to endure. Those who step forward to serve our country deserve a fair and dignified evaluation. Not a campaign of political and personal destruction based on lies and deception. What happened to the Kavanaugh family violates every notion of fairness, decency, and due process. Our country, a man or a woman, must always be presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. (laughs) Normally, these ceremonies are so solemn and everything else, and it's rare that you get basically what amounts to a standing O a few lines into the beginning of the ceremony of the the president but that happened here and with that i must state that you sir 
under historic scrutiny were proven innocent. Thank you. Yeah, so, so Kavanaugh was very solemn. Now, the only exception I would take, and again, I really don't care. It's a it's a it's kind of a it's a point of order and it's a, it's kind of a colloquialism anyway it's become where you say that somebody is uh proven innocent and uh it's part of the actual innocent until proven guilty aspect but in in a court in general when it comes to language that is used and even reporting on outcomes of uh of verdicts and things like that the generally it's accepted that no one really is proven innocent; they're just proven not guilty. It's just a it's just a minor thing. If somebody wanted to nitpick on the president, uh, they could do that. I I I I know that people did, but but generally though, so what? <laughs> I'm you know I I I would generally say that generally that generally is not an acceptable form of a description of an outcome of a verdict, but there wasn't a verdict here anyway. So we don't listen. If they didn't have to comply with any manner of any court proceeding or any judicial proceeding, why should we, right? So proven innocent, he can, he can knock himself out with the colloquialisms, but boy, did it drive people nuts? They had, they had a, uh, <laughs> they had a, uh, Everybody going nuts. And in fact, they even, at the same time, this one panel not only attacked the president for apologizing for Kavanaugh, they even attacked Kavanaugh for hiring female law clerks. I mean, CNN has gone full on deranged. Obviously, they do have some aspects of their reporting that seemingly will show strains of decency and strains of wow that's amazing coming from jake tapper that's amazing coming from allison camarada that's amazing coming from chris cuomo but generally they are up to their old tricks when they have their panels and everything else and this was a panel that uh, did not like the fact that president trump did what he just did but boo who patrick let me begin with you um two very different you heard two very different tone, if you tone, uh, messages from President Trump and from Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I have never seen in a historic moment like this a swearing in of a Supreme Court justice have it begin in this way. Well, President right. Trump told you you would, you'd never seen that before, you dits. I mean, he told you that it would be different than any other proceeding. So I'm glad you kind of picked up on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin this the way no one else has ever begun a proceeding of this nature, said President Trump. Then suddenly, you know the analysis you get from one of the CNN people? I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, the president told you you wouldn't see anything like it. And the, the president told you you'd never seen anything like it. So apparently he didn't go to college for nothing, honey pie. Uh, good, good, good job, President Trump, and from Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I have never seen in a historic moment like this a swearing in. Do they pay you to come to conclusions like this? Is this is this where your expertise is? Is this when they hired you? Did they say, "Boy, she's brilliant. She can really pick up on nuances." Supreme Court Justice, have it begin in this way. 
Right. I mean, it was really striking. When you bring in the Supreme Court, usually it's at the State of the Union speech. There's a solemnity to it. They yeah, are... yeah, 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 yeah. President Trump isn't behaving the way all the pundits and all the news people want him to behave. They're all, they're all acting once again shocked that President Trump has done something unusual. Well, you know what? It's pretty unusual to shepherd in three different lies about a Supreme Court justice weeks before he is confirmed or the vote to confirm him. That's pretty unusual, too. It's pretty unusual for you to have some hack job lawyer like Michael Avenetti on your air promoting a lie about an alleged gang rape. That's pretty unusual. When you, It's pretty unusual when you have some drunken harpy like this Ramirez person come forward and talk about a incoming Supreme Court justice or a Supreme Court nominee pulling his pants down with zero evidence. That's pretty unusual, too. And it's pretty unusual to have a clearly disturbed woman coming forward with glasses in front of her, with, with, with hair in front of her glasses and, a, and a, the voice of an 11-year-old making up lies in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, that's pretty unusual too. So, boy, you guys are really, you guys are, are really on top of things though over there at CNN. You're, you're really uh, amazed by I have never seen we in a historic <laughs> moment like this a swearing in of a Supreme Court justice have it begin in this way. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was really striking. When you bring in the Supreme Court, usually it's at the State of the Union speech. There's a solemnity to it. They are sitting. They are listening. Um, Yeah, and the president didn't do what we wanted him to do. He didn't stay true to form the way we were the ones who created it. This is why the media is so pissed off about everything and why these pundits are so angry about everything. Because before President Trump, they controlled everything. Everybody behaved the way they wanted them to behave. Everybody behaved the way uh, they wanted them to behave or they would be criticized. And they were too afraid because we had timid Republicans and certainly timid Democrats who all just wanted to step and fetch for the punditry out there and for the media, not President Trump. So guess what? And boy, again, you realize these people are paid for this kind of analysis. Yeah, this is highly unusual. Yeah, no kidding. A sense of like introducing the lineup at a political rally, and that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, it did. That's right. It sure as hell did. Good job. Who are you, by the way? Let's see. Who is that guy? I don't even know. They always have these people on there. I don't even know who the hell they are. They're just like... wonder what was going through Elena Kagan's mind or Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mind. Yeah, like we care what was going through Elena Kagan's mind or Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mind. Yeah, boy... Uh, how how many of you guys out there were concerned about how Ruth Bader Ginsburg felt as she rocked up in the attic of her son? Or how about Elena Kagan? What, what, Elena Kagan, who, by the way, campaigned against Kavanaugh before he was even confirmed. I don't see the CNN people attacking Elena Kagan for for being interviewed and, and making comments just days before the confirmation vote that assumed that Kavanaugh would not be a balanced viewpoint on the Supreme Court. I didn't see any of these people saying that was unusual. That was pretty unusual for 
a Supreme Court justice to go out and basically campaign against an incoming Supreme Court justice or a nominated one, that's pretty unusual too. These people didn't didn't seem too concerned about that behavior, did they now? Yeah. Mud can only imagine what was going through the mind of Elena Kagan and, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, really? That was one of the funnier lines of the... Uh, Tonight, you had to wonder what was going through Elena Kagan's mind or Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mind. Is it, it seemed like he, he made the nod to them and said, thank you, um, but then sort of started calling out people like Mitch McConnell and making some, some pretty audacious statements. Yeah, term- right. Audacious. That's right, buddy. Good job. You picked up on the Trump administration vibe. How long did it take you to come to that conclusion that President Trump was being audacious? No kidding. Boy, that's really audacious. It's like, yeah, buddy. Good. How, how much are you paid to come to those types of conclusions? Apologizing to Brett Kavanaugh on behalf of our nation. And I wanted to get your take on. Yeah, and, now, and then they went on to uh, criticize the fact that Kavanaugh has uh, female clerks. Because I guess in their mind, what, he's going to have them in and then summarily chase them around the office? Is that what it is? Which, which is not his track record for uh, multi-dozens of women that he has helped promote and he's helped seal their careers. And uh, the judicial process even sent them to be clerks at the Supreme Court and actually even sent them to be clerks for, yeah, yeah, uh, for Elena Kagan. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. Um, Kavanaugh's outreach nod to women, the, the female clerks that he's hired, um, and what he said during his, his remarks tonight. I mean, the, the female clerks, I guess that's great, Kate. He's talked about that before. It felt a little I bit... I guess that's great. Yeah, you mean, uh, you don't think that it's uh, in any way, shape, or form important to the story, considering how you tried to portray Kavanaugh as a misogynistic rapist? You, you don't think that that's significant, that, that he actually has, and, and even before the allegations even came out, had the most number of female clerks on his staff than any other Supreme Court justice in history. And by the way, if you want to go further, he had more minorities on his staff than any other justice in history and has had more on his staff than Ruth Bader Ginsburg has in her 25 years as a Supreme Court justice. I guess that's okay. Clerks, I guess that's great. I Kate, guess that's great. About that. I guess so. I guess we'll go ahead and, and give him that. Yeah, it's pretty significant to the story. Before, it felt a little bit like pandering to me. As I said before, there was not anything real. Yeah, it, it felt like pandering. Yeah, we, we wanted him just to hire old white males so we could continue on with our Brett Kavanaugh's just an old white male misogynistic rapist. But we couldn't do that. So we're going to call... Him doing the opposite, pandering. That's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna roll with this thing. This is the way he introduced himself in his very first. Uh, For him, though, maybe safe is best in terms of sh- stick sure. to the script. That stick to the script. It's worked. Uh, I guess it has worked, but I don't know that it's going to work to make women who are still upset about the treatment of Dr. Blasey Ford feel any better. It- Dr. Ford was a liar, and I don't know how it is that these women continue to go out there, continue to go out there. And act as if all women believe Dr. Ford just because she is a woman. And I've been kind of on a tear about this uh, over the past couple of weeks, only because uh, I know 
many women and many of the women these people are talking about, and they are not a they are not a monolithic group of individuals. I don't know why these people continue to uh, promote this idea that women are some kind of uh, group of uh, lemmings who will just reflexively support somebody regardless of whether or not they're telling the truth. I just don't understand how this whole thing works here and and why, for the most part, it's women who are making the claim that women are just a bunch of dopes out there who who will believe anybody regardless of whether or not they are telling the truth as long as they are women. It doesn't make any sense, people. And, and if you, even if you said that uh, about uh, black individuals, it would be coming across as uh, bigoted. It, or, or at least when you look at what the President Bush once called it, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Boy, those have been out in force here with women. And are there some women who are uh, not so happy about the, 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 the treatment of, uh, of Ford? In terms of what maybe some people have said, maybe. But how was how was uh, Blasey Ford mistreated, by the way, by anybody? She she was given the entirety of this hearing to tell her story. The entire first half of the hearing, she was given a chance to speak. She was offered a chance uh, that that the, the the committee would fly out to go see her. And, and and she was given every opportunity to tell her side of the story. And in fact, the, the, the fact that Kavanaugh came that close to not being confirmed uh, and, and had the lowest kind of uh, split when it comes to a vote in history, uh, that that's a pure example of the fact that Ford was treated like a legitimate character when, when I believe that she shouldn't have been. So I don't understand this treatment of Dr. Ford. I don't understand what they're talking about. It, did the, 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 did uh, President Trump make a mistake when he had a rally and he talked about all the ways her story was falling through? What did he say that was not true? I mean, he's, he, everything he said was true. Now, uh, are there women who are going to be upset that he said that? Not women who support him, not women who support the truth. They're not going to be worried about that. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I know that there are even people citing certain polls or whatever that seem to indicate some women are squishy of the Republican Party, but I, I don't see that. And once again, you can believe all the polls you want, but I, I don't see how this is going to be uh, one of these uh, watershed moments where women are going to make the Republican Party pay because they held hearings featuring a woman who had a complaint. And then heard the complaint, didn't buy the complaint, and moved on in a process that, to me, was even went overboard to let her tell her side of the story. So I don't, I don't understand that. But it did. It felt a lot like pandering to me. So anyway, that's what you're getting from the news media and the freakout from all the folks in the wake of the uh, proceedings yesterday with the uh, official swearing in of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So, uh, yeah, boy, the media, they're so easy to, to read these days. They're so easy to pick apart.
And that, that, and that was only about two minutes long of a panel discussion and everything you need to know about the media, its bias, its craziness, its double standard, its hypocrisy is right there in two minutes. That's pretty much it. All right. Jimmy Carafano is going to be with us in just a couple. In the meantime, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous night All the Don't wait. The Fed has raised interest rates. That means your minimum credit card payments are going up. Don't let that happen to you. This is James Hawkins of Golden Oak Lending. Now's the time to consolidate your debt. Home values are up, and you can use the smart cash in your home to pay off debt or get rid of expensive PMI. Smart cash is the difference between what you owe and the new value of your home. And Golden Oak still has fixed rates in the threes. Call 567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37. Orbison uh, KTEL Records commercials during Lost in Space. Whatever else I was watching, Ultraman or something. 
Morrissey. Yeah, they had a Roy Orbison, and it, it, they, it had like a um, a seventy LP set of Roy Orbison's best tunes. They'd scroll them down. KTL Records presents Roy Orbison. That's when I first heard of Roy Orbison. People, okay. Let's give. Uh, let's give. Jim Carafalo. Jim Carafalo. Guess who it is? It's Jimmy Allman. How you doing, man? Hey, good. Good morning. Uh, yeah. No, I was uh, I was in uh, Israel. Oh wow. I just, yeah, I was in uh, Jerusalem. Really interesting. Got over to the West Bank. Um, left just before the most recent unpleasantries. Amazing place. You know, one day you think it's the most peaceful place on earth, and the next day everything's just crazy. Wow, really? So you, uh, yeah. you, you. Uh, I, I hear that it's absolutely just beautiful in Israel. I, I've never been there before. I've always really actually wanted to go there, and I, I, it's interesting just as a just as a uh, place to go. I mean, just visually, uh, it, it it is. I hear it's just gorgeous, just you know, sunny. Well, it's kind of like. Yeah, kind of like Northern California <laughs> without the ocean. <laughs> I, well, I guess maybe if you're on the ocean, but it's, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, Jerusalem is actually a beautiful city, as is actually Tel Aviv. Uh, the, there is so much history in Jerusalem, and it's, it's just very, and it's very accessible. I mean, you go to the old city, you walk around, it's just really incredible. So, yeah. Definitely yeah. worth doing. Put it on yeah. the bucket list, brother. So what were you doing there? Can you tell, or was it Secret Squirrel? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, so we, we did a, uh, uh, a U.S., India, Israel trilateral. So India has been really revolutionizing its foreign policy, particularly towards the Middle East. Traditionally, their major relationship in the region was Iran. Um, that dates back to the non-aligned movement in the seventies. Uh, as, as you know, India has essentially kind of overturned its foreign policy. Their, their big concern is China and everything China is doing, not just in the region, but along the belt and road, which goes through the region in Africa, up in the middle East and in Europe. Um, Indians actually have longstanding ties in Africa and, and by extension, you know, they have, interest in the Middle East. And so what they've been trying to do is balance their relationship with Iran with much better relationships with uh, Israel um, and uh, Saudi Arabia uh, and UAE and, and Oman, among others. You know, for many years, the Israelis had a kind of a quiet relationship with Israel. But as you know, they're the second largest Muslim country in the world. And I think there was always a reticence to kind of publicly engage with Israel out of fear of antagonizing the Muslim minority in India. But, um, you know, as we've seen, the Israelis have gone, gone, gotten closer with almost every Arab state now yeah. because they have become an enemy in Iran. And that's uh, made them less, much less reticent about engaging with Israel, Indians engaging with Israel, which is all... Right, you know, big geopolitics, but it was yeah. They actually have a lot in common, a lot to talk about, and uh, so it was good. 
Well, it, it is still it's an important thing uh, because you know when you say that it's just kind of like uh, stuff that people might not be interested in. This is this is a very important development. This is because you know we've been dealing with this. Well, I'm 55 years old. I mean, I've been I've been dealing with this uh, agitation between uh, Israelis and Arab states for my entire life, and now to see things changing around. Can you explain to people just briefly? Because I think there are people who don't understand the the Sunni Shiite difference and and and, and yeah. why that's that's an important thing here and why Iran for instance is no friend of uh some of the Arab states it is not just because of uh religion but I'm just saying that there's a, there's right. certainly a difference though well yeah i mean that would take hours you know there's there's multiple way there's multiple identities in middle east politics and and they all kind of matter uh and and it and it really begins at this split between Sunni and Shia, which isn't even just regional or ethnic or even religion. It, it was about a, a political schism, um, in the descendants of Muhammad, he had no direct descendants. And so there were essentially two branches, um, that, uh, that split off. And most of the, uh, Arab countries, well, the Arab countries are predominantly Sunni. I mean, there are some countries that have, significant Shia minorities in them, like Bahrain. Right. They are predominantly Sunni. And the Iranians, who are not Arabs, they're Persians, which is a big ethnic difference, they are um, predominantly Shia. And then again, there are some you know, other major Shia minority populations, like in Iraq and stuff. And then and Kurds can be Sunnis or, or Shia. So, uh, And even in, in, in Western Europe, if, if you look in Eastern Europe, the area that was controlled by the Ottoman Empire uh, in the Balkans, uh, where there's significant Muslim populations, most of them are are Sunni. So um, that's one level of division, and that matter. I mean, geopolitics matter because there's always been a tremendous rivalry between Iran on one hand and the Arab states on the other for kind of leadership in the region. You know, national states matter. Tribes still matter. In some countries, tribes are still very, very important, and. What you what you really find is if if you if you been in one Arab country, you've been in one Arab country. They're all different, and and I'm always reticent about making these kind of well, they're Sunni and they're Shia kind of because it it does matter. So one of the real interesting differences is for many many years, if you went and talked to anybody in the Middle East, they would give you this line that well, nothing can get solved until the Israeli Palestinian peace process is concluded that the region would never be at peace and that was the 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 key to unlock everything and that's that is very much a generational view the, many in the older generations still view that but but if you go and talk to most people who are under four at least the ones i've talked to which is admittedly not yeah, everybody right um the uh they don't see it that way that they they think you know, their concerns are governance corruption economic growth, jobs, uh, security. They are not uh, vested in, in this process. And in in part, it's because, you know, well, the Arab states for many years have used the Palestinian clauses really as an excuse not to engage with the West. Right, right. right. Now they need the West to deal with Iran. And also the Palestinians have, have played that card and exploited those countries and support them. And now who is the, who's the chief supporter of the Palestinians? That's a, that was, that's a quiz. 
right? What's the radical? The radical faction of um, Palestine is Hamas. Yeah, and their chief chief supporter is Iran. Iran, and the other the other guy that supports the Sunni radicals in the region is really Turkey. Oh, and and the Turks aren't Arab either. So uh, interesting. So they very much the Arab states look to the West. And and they look to actually look to Israel as a much more reliable security partner. It's really interesting how you uh, I, I kind of like geek out on this a little bit, but but my, but our audience likes this kind of stuff because it's it, it's it's interesting and we and we're learning something, and so we might as well latch on to uh, the learning train here. So it, it's interesting how generally we accept as part of our kind of uh, vernacular here in this country that Iranians are. Just we lump them in with Arabs, and then you said, "Well, they're really not Arabs; they're Persians," and that's a very interesting point because I know, and I've tried to say this before. Like, if you look at uh, Iranian culture, and you look at Iranians in general, first of all, uh, they're they're very generally very beautiful people, and and they love the West; they love uh, jeans and bottle service and bars and that kind of stuff. They kind of li- like that whole thing. But their governance is really what's what separates them seemingly from the rest of the world, the people who kind of run the country. And not only that, I mean, yeah, there are people out on the streets watching the hanging of gay people, and it's it's a terrible thing that goes on over there. But a lot of Iranians really would would surprise people, I think, in terms of their their love uh, or at least appreciation of the West. Well. It- when you talk to to people that know the country well, that by and large they do say that, particularly the younger generation, which is not invested in the revolution, is very pro-Western. They would like to open up to the West. Um, that's why they were actually so enthusiastic about the Iran deal. And um, as I understand it, I've never been to Iran, but uh, people talk about the the two spheres that in Iran there's a public sphere and a private sphere. And even though the Iranian revolution has deeply fundamental and very radical in many ways, and, and public life is deeply regulated inside Iran, the, the deal is always there's a public life and there's private life. And what you do behind your doors, that's your business. Nobody cares. So you could go into uh, Tehran into the most you know strident member of the government and then at their home, they're drinking alcohol and partying, and everybody's fine with that. And that that's the kind of social compact that's kind of kept the regime in power all these years is we control public life, you control your public life, we won't bother you, you just listen to us, and they've gotten away with that. The problem, of course, is um, you have a generation that is more and more distant from the revolution, and you know, the, the, so that's ancient history to them. Um, they look at the West and they see what people have and how they live, and they're they're jealous of that. And the the government has really failed in public life. It's thoroughly corrupt, very oppressive. Uh, before the Iran deal, they're actually having negative growth, so the economy is actually contracting. And then they have a couple of good years of growth, well, not you know amazing, but three, four, five percent growth. And of course, all that's vanished overnight and the economy's collapsed. There's, there's uh, 
strikes across all of Iran today. So they're they're under a lot of pressure, and uh, and this is where I think this administration has gotten that piece right because the, when the regime feels empowered and not under pressure, they're very very expansive. I mean, they do have a traditional view of Iran as kind of the regional hegemon in the Middle East, and that of course is deeply destabilizing. When they feel under pressure, they they tend to pull their reins in because they they really worry about the stability and control of the regime. So this pressure from within and without, not that we're pushing for regime change because we're not, but putting that external pressure on as they feel the internal pressure from within, that very much constrains the Iran regime, and that is actually a very very um, good strategy for the United States. But but this is you know to show you how all this stuff is so complicated, it's all connected, right? Right. Um, Iran, North Korea, those are linked because the Iranians look at how we're dealing with the North Koreans, and then the North Koreans look at how we're dealing with the Iranians, and and they modify their behavior based on how the United States treats the other and reacts to the other. So those are linked. Um, you know, India. Uh, India is increasingly important in the Middle East and Africa. They're extremely important in the Indo-Pacific. They're probably the, the kind of the pivotal power there. One of the other things that we worked on before we started this U.S.-India-Israel trilateral was we were working on U.S.-India-Australia-Japan cooperation. And, you know, one of the weird things about think tanks is, particularly on my side, because people think, well, why do we have think tanks on foreign policy and military stuff? Because we have governments that do that stuff. And that's true. And this administration is actually pretty darn good, um, I think. But at, and it's cool, at, a, at a non-governmental level, which is often... In, in diplomatic speaks is often called track two, like track one is governments negotiating with governments. But, you know, we can have the conversations that governments can't have, right? I mean, officially. Yeah. And and share the information that, that, that governments... I just had a, matter of fact, I just had a team in, in Beijing um, just yesterday. Matter of fact, last week, um, I had analysts on every continent in the world with the exception of Australia and Antarctica. So, um, wow. so this kind of, you know, this is an important role that think tanks play yeah. as kind of, you know, the grease to kind of help get over some of the government to government friction and, and to start to nurture some of these, um, things and kind of pave the way for, for governments to do that. It's not, we're not negotiating on behalf of the governments. We're not sharing secret intelligence. We're just having conversations with people and then sharing those with other people. Yeah, well, uh, very much so. That, that's really cool. Now, wait, uh, now, uh, real quick question here. Since, since now you have me distracted about Antarctica, is is that is that actually a a, th- a pla- like a place? As in, like, are there people who govern Antarctica? So that's, a, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a whole other, and that's actually another another issue with the Chinese. So there is actually an an international treaty that manages Antarctica. And it evolved during the Cold War because people didn't want the Antarctica or the Arctic to get militarized. And so rather than becoming a, um, you know, an area of competition between the U.S. and the Russians, um, there was a treaty that was put together. And basically, the countries that, for better or manage Antarctica are the ones that have um, scientific research presence right. there. Okay. So so the way it works is is if you are a uh, a if you have a legitimate scientific research 
project in Antarctica, you are part of the, essentially this, under this international treaty, the governance of Antarctica. Now, what's interesting is the Chinese have been putting stations there to um, get, uh, basically to get to be part of this governance regime. And that treaty is up for renewal in 2040, right? And why we're kind of very suspicious of the Chinese is there are enormous resources in Antarctica uh, in uh, freshwater, uh, in minerals, and things that were, you know, 50 years ago when they signed this treaty or whatever it was, um, weren't economically extractable. By 2040, uh, people think that you can actually, like, um, extract this stuff. And so people are very concerned that uh, the Chinese are trying to lay, lay a claim and then re renegotiate the treaty in 2040 and then essentially um, start take resources out of Antarctica. So, Wow. I yeah. yeah. It's amazing the things – yeah. It's amazing things you have to kind of watch. All right. And one more quick thing, because I know you, you have a busy morning, but let me ask you one quick thing, and you can settle this once and for all. But, you know, we had this dust up with this astronaut who quoted Winston Churchill right. uh, about magnanimity and all that kind of thing. And then right. there were people who uh, then lashed out at him, even on his own political side, who went right. after him for quoting Churchill, who apparently now is some kind of uh, – in retrospect, some kind of monster. Can you can you settle this for us? Because that's the first time I've ever heard anything about Winston Churchill being some racist or starving people to death or doing whatever it was he's accused of doing. Right. So, look, I mean, he had a, a political career that spanned the entire 20th century from the Boer War to, you know, well into the Cold War. And, and he was a leader that was involved in many, many things over his years. And, and, and Britain, remember Britain had an empire, which they actually governed as an empire. They're imperialist. Up to things. So if you, if the longer somebody is a governs, right, the more they do. And the more they do, the more things they might have done that are controversial might make mistakes. So it's perfectly legitimate to criticize many of the things in Churchill's life. No problem there. On the other hand, to kind of rewrite history and to to look at him through kind of today's politically intolerant lens and label him as one thing or another is completely unfair. I mean, the one thing that is true, even though, for example, um, Churchill tried to hold on to India, right? So they didn't want to get he didn't he wasn't in favor of Indian independence, and you'd say, well, that's pretty thorough. But but in in trying to preserve the empire, his fundamental belief was. The empire was the most liberal institution on the planet, that they brought rule of law, they brought democracy, they, they brought a certain degree of tolerance. Yes, they were massively imperfect. Yes, the, you know, everything didn't go well, but they did more to spread liberal values than any other force on the planet Earth, including the United States, up through the, the, the mid-20th century. And so you can say what you want about Winston Churchill, but you and but you cannot say that this is a man who didn't believe in fundamental human rights and the fundamental dignity of the of human individual and and human liberty and didn't do in the context of a 19th and you know 20th century leader try to advance that cause so yeah 
you know, people just calling Churchill a racist and saying that quoting Churchill is unfair. I mean, these are the same people that one day are going to want to change the name of Washington, D.C. because Washington owns slaves. Right. right? Yeah, right. Which he did. We get that, right? And it, and and slavery was wrong. And even in the colonial era, we knew slavery was wrong. And even the people that practiced slavery, I think many of them knew that slavery was wrong. But again, um, that was the time in which they live. And uh, so this, this dust up over Churchill's just, <laughs> it, it's the height of, of, of political stupidity of Political correct stupidity. If yeah. there is such a term. I mean, if you if you had to go back and and uh, and readdress every tie to whether it be slavery or racism or anything else, you couldn't even you'd have to erase the Democratic Party for crying out loud. I don't want to get into your. I know you're not uh, political, but right. I'm saying that you'd have to right. do that. But anyway, you know, one of my favorite uh, items that uh, that my dad had and, and that I uh, got after my dad passed away was. Uh, this uh it's i think it's like maybe a six or seven record set and it's and it's it's a set it's a set of 78s these these uh and and these records are look like seemingly are made of steel and they uh they come in this box set and they were the address of uh churchill to congress the yeah. i think it was the day after christmas in yeah. 1943 or something or 44 or something like that 40 Two? 41. 41. 41. Okay, yeah. And it's this record set, and you, and you put them on the record player, and you know, you get, you know, uh, 10 minutes out of each record. And it was, it's just like one, of, and it's in perfect condition. I just love it. Oh, and man. it's it's really pretty cool. It's uh, Churchill addressing Congress. It was actually really cool to listen to. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, my parents had uh, the things, you know, my parents had the record of MacArthur addressing the Congress. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wish I had kept that. That's pretty cool how they did that, though. Yeah, they that, that in those days that was really yeah. the only way you could listen to it. and They put it on vinyl. It's great. But you know, if you know, you know, look any 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 idea, any ideology, anything taken to its extreme is absurd, right? So you can take any virtue of anything, and if you want to maximize it out to its fullest potential, you just get to nuttiness. So are we going to like FDR was a serial philanderer? Is the Democratic Party going to now go? you know, disown FDR as, as part of the Me Too movement. I mean, I'm waiting for that. I mean, yeah, right. just, I mean you know, what about JFK? I mean, who was, again, who was a serial philanderer and, 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 men, and those relationships were completely inappropriate. But I mean, you, you know, history is what it is. And if, if, um, you know, defining virtue, uh, if when virtue starts with your politics, you're always going to get to a silly place. Right on. Yeah. All right, Jimmy. Well, listen, have a great uh, rest of your weekend. I'm going to be uh, heading to New York, actually, tomorrow uh, after the show. Uh, so I'm going to be near you, so I'll wave as I, you know, fly by. Yeah. Do that Well, for thanks you. for calling, man. Good catching up. Uh, great catching up with you, too, and love what you guys are doing up there at Heritage, uh, heritage.org. And, and if you want to know more about what Jimmy was talking about regarding Israel or all kinds of uh, – papers up there so it's very illuminating to latch on to heritage.org so thank you jimmy good talking to you. okay buddy you too take care we are live from the discovery design truck care and manufacturing studios ddtrucking.com is the website for my friends over there for all your truck care and 
truck building needs. Fleets beyond. They got it for you. Rick and Jerry are great guys, too. Thank you also to my friend Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Low premiums, low deductibles, all at the same time. 855-QUOTE-ME. And I hope you guys have stopped into... You guys have stopped into the Nutrition HQ headquarters. Yeah, Nutrition HQ right there in Rock Hill, Manchester, and McKnight. Ricky and Jenna Hall, brand new sponsors of Radio Free Almond, and they've got all that you need when it comes to your health supplements, protein powders. You got a new protein powder. It's a whey powder with bits of Snickers in it. And you're thinking, how can that be healthy? Well, it is. You need carbohydrates. You, you can't just... You can't just pop up with protein. You got to have carbohydrates. You got to have something to burn, or you'll burn muscle. You don't want to do that. So yeah, that's that's what the carbohydrate aspect is. It's not it's not you know, it's not like having a milkshake. It's really is uh, just a little bit subtle, but delicious. Also, all kinds of uh, protein burritos, protein pizzas, where the crust is made of chicken. It's really good. I get all my supplements from him. Winoline is really a good one. I like that one. It keeps me kind of uh, on top of my game. And, of course, he has all the supplements you need, even if you wanted to uh, partake in a little weight loss program or whatever it is for men and women, tailored everything to uh, your needs. You go in, tell them what your goal is, tell them what you want. Sometimes you don't know, so they have a fancy little machine there. You just hop on it. They can tell you your body fat index and all that kind of stuff and get you going on a program. It's Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks right there in beautiful Rock Hill. So loving it. Speaking of traveling, I've been thinking about my friends down there in the uh, Florida Panhandle. There is uh, a hurricane on the way to the Florida Panhandle, and I, I have a particular soft spot in my heart for the Panhandle down there because that's uh, usually with the I went to Italy this time around, but that's usually where uh, we are vacationing. It's usually where I go down there to Rosemary Beach and beyond, but they might be getting swatted with a uh, major hurricane as it heads to the Panhandle there. And apparently, it looks like it's yeah. – this is Hurricane Michael, by the way. And it looks like it might be – was initially headed more towards uh, Tallahassee and, and Pensacola. But that is the panhandle, basically. Uh, Tallahassee is more inland there. But going down there to uh, Rosemary Beach and Seaside and Seacrest Beach, and, of course, they're calling it a – a monster hurricane now, but but who knows what it's what it's actually going to do? But it looks pretty looks pretty strong, and uh, it's heading also to uh, Apalachicola, which is uh, usually when I'm down there. That's where I get all my oysters. Where I uh, get the Apalachicola oysters are great. The raw oysters down there, so it's going to cause a great deal of uh, trouble. Uh, for our friends down there. It's supposed to be making landfall on Wednesday. And, you know, this is kind of, this is Hurricane Central around this time of year. And, and, and in October, it's kind of a, 
sometimes can be a rough time to be down there in Florida. So uh, our uh, prayers go out to the folks down there, our friends down there in the beautiful Florida panhandle. It looks like it's going to pretty much miss, you know, the Alabama coast. You know, I we uh, down there, we all have fun with the place because we call it the uh, Redneck Riviera, which is kind of uh, true. We also call it the Emerald Coast, so it d- depends on how you uh, look at it. The Emerald Coast, because of its beautiful water, the green, clean, crystal clear water down there uh, on the uh, on the near the Panama City side. It's really really nice. Love Panama City too. Panama City is kind of fun. If you if you have little kids, you know, you go there and knock yourself out. Or if you're uh, a college student. That's where people go to. All right. So do you see this in Portland? This is the, uh, this is the, this is called uh, otherwise known as street anarchy. This is a bunch of guys, uh, from the Antifa movement. It's interesting. We don't really have a lot of those people around here. You know, the guys who dress all in black and have shaved heads and, you know, weird themselves out. And I, I guess St. Louis typically, even when we have the most crazy protests, they're not nearly as crazy as they are in Portland. By the way, I didn't hear anything or see anything in the paper about the Christopher Columbus statue protest that was scheduled for uh, yesterday. Matt, did you hear anything about that or see anything about that on Facebook? Did you all see anything about that at all? Because uh, I, I, um, I, don't, I don't recall seeing anything in the news about it. So if you guys know about anything that might have happened there, let me know. Did, did, I just uh, am kind of amazed that I didn't hear anything. So, uh, yeah. Here, here's Antifa. They're, they're, they're at an intersection, about 20 of them, and they're directing traffic. How, how do they get away with this? Oh, yeah, go that way because I told you to. This fat slob... Antifa woman is telling this guy to, uh, yeah, we have people who carry guns. You, I think, I think you're probably right on, uh, Lisa. There, the, 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 they don't get too, too much away with this kind of uh, stuff. Yeah, Columbus, Ohio, Jimmy. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Looking forward to having our, uh, uh, our November happy hour at PJ's. That'd be great, buddy. We'll talk more about that. Anyway. Columbus, Ohio, canceled their celebration for Columbus Day. And I do believe that there was some effort to rename it or something. But there wasn't that, that big of a deal made of it. But, but I was wondering about that statue. I thought there was going to be some kind of protest down there. It was scheduled. I know that. October 8th, it was you know it was supposed to be the day they brought the thing down. But I don't know whether there was some kind of uh, negotiated truce or treaty or whatever else. But I don't know. But yeah, this woman standing in the intersection, uh, and, and and she's telling this guy to go a certain direction. He says, "Why?" She says, "Because I said so." Look at this. I mean, look at look at these guys. I mean, I'm sorry about the language, but this is a, this is a white guy yelling at another white guy. You believe this? This this anarchy down there? They'd never. I guarantee you, these punk asses would never get away with this in St. Louis. I'd like I'd like them to go down to uh, 
I like to go out. I like to go out to New Melly and try this on for size. See how see how that works out in New Melly, or or go down to uh, go down to to Hillsboro. Let's see how that works down there in uh, in uh, in Hillsboro for you. Yeah, these guys. And, and, but this is in downtown Portland. There aren't police anywhere. I didn't know. The, I didn't know the language was this bad. But I. I mean, we, so anyway, that that's the that's the kind of stuff you're getting from Antifa there in Portland, and they're getting away with it, which is crazy. Do you see this too from uh, Rand Paul's wife? She uh, has been threatened, as you know, and Rand Paul has been threatened a lot. And in fact, he was even at one point beaten at his home. And so Kelly Paul, who was the wife of Rand Paul, uh, has talked about her increasing concerns about the safety of her and her family there uh, in D.C. And, And a lot of it has to do with these calls from Democrats that continue on. Uh, for violence in the streets, for people being yelled at as they're going about their business in public. In fact, uh, Brian Kilmeade just the other day was yelled at on the street uh, in New York City. I'm going to see Brian, by the way, on Friday. I'm actually hoping to get a uh, get a uh, do a Facebook Live with him post Fox and Friends, or maybe even during the show. I don't know, but going to hope to get uh, something with him. There he's got his show there at nine o'clock on ninety seven one. So uh, good guy, and I, I appreciate uh, appreciate him very much. So I'll be at uh, Fox News on Friday when I'm up in New York. But yeah, uh, you know the when you have these lefties who and, and the politicians. The, here's the problem: you have Antifa, and you have these uh, other people who are the uh, the left wing uh, crazies. They're being egged on by the entities that otherwise could shame them or stop them. So you have people like Maxine Waters and others actually literally calling for violence and and calling for disruptions in the lives of normal, average, everyday Americans who are just minding their business and also disruptions in the lives of Trump supporters and uh, Trump-supporting politicians. At the gasoline station. That's what she uh, wants everybody to, to, to uh, confront people. And so you've got these leading politicians. I mean, and, and in fact, uh, uh, Empress Hirohito there from Hawaii, she was the other day talking about how, well, you know, there's a lot of division in the country. That's just kind of what you're going to get. It's like, oh, great. Thanks a lot for that, sitting U.S. senator. Really appreciate that. Then you have the news media, which basically just looks the other way. And ba- and in a backwards way condones this kind of activity and condones this kind of violence, saying, "Well, you know what? This is going to what you get in a, in a polarized society. This is kind of how it goes." So, none of the people who otherwise have any po- possible control or influence over the message actually is doing their civil duty by trying to keep a lid on it. And you know, listen. I'm not really that concerned about these people necessarily. I I, I just, you know, I I have to tell you, I've never really thought about uh, the possibility of having to take up arms against uh, my own citizens. But if these people, if if a civil war is what these people want, then I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm suited up. If that's what if that's what they if this is what they want, 
because this is a direction they're heading and and if and if they want to have a situation where they're uh where it's pure anarchy if they want to stand in the middle of intersections and tell me where to go then it's on we already have people including the media and members of our uh, esteemed uh political class who are calling for the complete dismantling of our Electoral College, and that some people are calling even for a dismantling of the uh, of the U.S. Senate for crying out loud. That the U.S. Senate is a overly. I mean, these people have no concept of the construct of this republic. It's just incredible, and they they don't realize that the Senate is actually just part of an overall brilliant checks and balances situation that we all. Uh, have and the, and the U.S. Senate is designed to be an obstruction. It's designed to slow the process of government down. And 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 it was a brilliant idea uh, put forth by the founding fathers, as was the Electoral College, because otherwise, if if we only did it by popular vote, and I've explained this to you, so I'm not going to go too much too much into this. If we only did this by popular vote, then what the hell? We would we would just have the entirety of, of New York City and California electing our presidents, and, and we certainly don't want that. Anyway, we have uh, the Rand Paul, who has uh, really been out there and has even been attacked and, and, and has, uh, to a certain degree, uh, been in a situation where he was physically attacked. And, and so we have this situation where uh, his wife now was doing an interview and explained how she basically sleeps with a loaded gun. I mean, this is her, Kelly Paul. The TCM looks like an ordinary gun, but it's anything but. And because it's Breitbart, they begin the segment with a gun ad, which I always love. First, fire the meteoric 22 TCM cartridge from Arms Corps and revel in its giant muzzle flash and sonic boom. Then, in a matter of minutes, swap out the barrel and recoil spring, and you're ready to fire it as a 9mm, all with the same magazine. The TCM series from Rock Island Armory. Once you rule this fire-breathing dragon, you'll never want to put it down. <laughs> the fire-breathing dragon. There are so many, frankly, unhinged people and unstable people out there, and when they hear someone on their side telling them, get up in their face... They take that literally, and they think that that gives them a license to be very um, aggressive, be harassing, uh, throw people out of restaurants, and I don't think anybody wants to live in a country like that. Yeah, that's Kelly Paul, who's the wife of Rand Paul, who is totally on point when it comes to what the left is doing, and so she's laying it out there, and, 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 and this is very true. Now, I talked about the media and I talked about other politicians who seemingly don't have uh, one way or the other any kind of desire to keep a lid on this or keep these people from attacking other people. Uh, but you also have a situation where you have like, for instance, somebody goes into a restaurant and starts to scream at a Ted Cruz or a member of uh, of President Trump's cabinet and the restaurants are letting this happen. Uh, so what we need and, and this is the problem with this mob mentality that we continue to see out there and and mob justice, which is uh, we these companies and these operations that don't stand up 
not only for their employees being attacked, but for the people who are actually in their restaurants being attacked, uh, then, then we will have anarchy. We'll have more of it. But these restaurants are just allowing these people to run through and scream at other people and do all this kind of stuff. You know, hearkening back to uh, April when, when my company, the, the candy asses that they were, uh, acquiesced and surrendered to, a, to, to the left-wing mob when they certainly didn't have to. That was one of the most dangerous moments, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to the long-term uh, prospects of people being able to uh, spread conservative voices, everything else, because uh, when you have these conglomerates like Entercom buying up all these radio stations out there, and you damn well know after they fired me, you know, you know what the message they sent to everybody else over there. So, uh, you know, they, they've had a, their balls cut off over there. So they, they, nobody else, nobody's going to rock the boat over there anymore. Or, or, or say something errant or whatever, even on the air. Now, I was attacked for something on Twitter. I mean, you know, Entercom could have said that was Twitter. And, you know, he didn't even he didn't say it on the air. So uh, go pound sand. And plus, we've got all these advertisers who want to double up and we haven't lost any any money. We'll lose more if we get rid of them. So uh, we we're going to you guys can we, we hear you, you know, I'll let all we'll let all explain it on the air. And then we'll we'll be done with it. But no, the company just because it was convenient and because they wanted the left wing mob to go away decided to to, to get rid of me. And, and that's and that's the future. That's that's where we're living now. And especially as you have companies like Entercom uh, owning more radio stations, owning more properties like that, their pansiness is only spreading. It's becoming institutionalized in broadcasting as it is. And that's, and that's really the problem. It wasn't really uh, just for me that I'm, that I'm suing them. It's, it's for everybody else because, of course, uh, they wrongly fired me, and they will pay the price for wrongly firing me. But they did still. Uh, they did it, and it's going to cost them, but they did it. And, and, and to tell you the truth, uh, for them – it doesn't even matter as long as they did it they'll they'll you know they'll pay money they don't care to to, to have me go away now so th- that's that's how it all works out but when you have institutions when you have uh corporations when you have restaurants when you have broadcast outlets when you have politicians who are simply looking the other way when the left wing mob starts to act this is what you're going to get you're going to get chaos and then what you're going to get are people like me and people like you taking matters into our own hands because if you're not going to protect us we will protect us like i don't i don't need roy blunt to protect me what i'm saying is uh if we if you're not going to keep society sewn up in an orderly fashion if you're not going to lift a finger to try to do that and you're just going to have you're going to just going to allow the left wing mob to take over whether it's an intersection in Portland whether it's a statue down at Tower Grove Park whether it's a broadcaster on a conservative radio station if you're not if you're going to continue to snip away at the fabric that is normal 
society that works things out on its own, then we're going to work things out on our own. We're going to take it. We're going to take matters into our own hands, and we're going to defend ourselves. And uh, that's exactly what Kelly Paul is doing here. And um, and to be honest, one more thing, because of the violence that Rand has. There's a time and place for this. We interrupt and when this you don't have the time message. or the place. Gun medic blast through buildup in seconds to give you a clean like nine one one for guns and looping commercial for your guns from Hoppies. Go ahead, Hoppies. Experienced in the last year, <laughs> it does scare me that there is going to be somebody that is really unstable that takes that message a step further and that something terrible happens to someone in this toxic and highly polarized. And you know what? It's already happened. I mean, they 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 shot at those Republicans on the ball field. Remember that. Yeah, that seemingly has uh, been forgotten, but uh, it's already happened. Talk to me about some of the precautions that you've taken um, for yourself and for your own family's safety. You know, we've updated all of our security systems at home. We, I sleep with a loaded gun by my bed. Uh, you know, when I'm home alone a lot, obviously, with when Rand is up here. And so I've got deadbolts all around my house so that if someone's in my house when I go to bed, I'm deadbolted in three different <laughs> levels. You know, I mean, it's the wife, it's, of, that's it's the wife of Senator Rand Paul. That's how she's living in Washington, D.C. Because of the threats and because of the terrible people that are allowed to just simply maraud all around the D.C. area, and all around the country, popping into restaurants, everything else. Uh, the, and, and then you had, of course, the aide uh, there, the, the uh, Democrat in the Capitol who once worked for Dianne Feinstein and for, I think, uh, one of the other uh, lawmakers there, I can't remember her name, who was doxing these individuals, put their phone numbers and addresses out on the Internet. So... Uh, the, 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 the other step from busting into restaurants and busting into intersections and busting into meetings is to bust into homes. And uh, when that happens, uh, it's pretty clear that uh, the Kelly Paul Rand Paul's dead wife's going to be all around ready. my house so that if someone's in my house when I go to bed, I'm deadbolted in three <laughs> different levels. You know, I mean, and it's it's bizarre that I've, n- I've never been like this in my whole life. I've, you know, we're, we live in a fairly um, not a small town, but not a really big place. I've always felt very safe, used to never even lock our doors. And and now um, that has all changed. And, um, you know, even going out to dinner in D.C. last night, you worry, you know, you, you hope that people aren't going to come up and just start screaming at you. These liberals that supposedly are all about victims, and I'm like, my husband had six broken ribs and was violently assaulted, was seriously, seriously injured. And to have people like Cher and Bette Midler laughing on the internet and lauding his attacker, it's like, well, what kind of person are you that you think that is acceptable? Even our Secretary of State, Alison Lundergan Grimes, you know, was ridiculing Rand for his assault and making fun of him. And I just think to myself, I thought you all were the party of, you know, tolerance and nonviolence, and you suddenly seem to be completely on the other side with this. Yeah, now you got it, Kelly Paul. And thanks for speaking out about that. It's too bad you're not interviewed on the Today Show, but we'll take what we can get uh, from this. But it, but that's that's the truth. They want to, they continually want to re-prosecute the November election, 
that was humiliating to them. And so it doesn't matter what they do as long as they're just continue to be angry about losing in November. Uh, all bets are off, and they'll support any kind of violence as a means of trying to uh, re-prosecute the election of uh, November 2016. All right, in just a second here, so let's go ahead and pop off. I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Judge Napolitano a call. The problem is uh, they like to, the the they don't like to just have a cold call at Judge Napolitano's office. So I am going to go ahead and uh, and pop the judge on, call his assistant, pop him on. So we're going to actually just play a little music for you, and we're going to get all this stuff taken care of, and then we will be back in just a couple minutes because I'm going to give him a shout. Thanks. Ready to rock and roll here in uh, three, two, one. All right, welcome back to Radio Free Almond, ladies and gentlemen, from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. Thank you to Rick and Jerry Pope for that. And ladies and gentlemen, you know who's next, don't you? Of course you do. Ladies and gentlemen, uh...
Here comes the judge, Judge Napolitano up there in New York City, and I'm just about 24 hours away from popping up there, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to miss the judge because he's off on Friday, but I'm still going to pop in on Friday and uh, check out uh, Brian Kilmeade. So I'm going to miss you, buddy, but uh, hey, I always appreciate you and uh, appreciate your love you're showing to Radio Free Almond. So thank you, my friend. How you doing? Always a pleasure. I'm doing well. Thank you, Jamie. And you? I'm doing great. And uh, going up to New York for a couple of uh, regions. I'm going to see my daughter up there who lives up there. I'm working on another project. So I'm going to be at Yale University on Thursday and then uh, popping into Fox on Friday. So I appreciate you and and I'll miss you. But I'll see you next time uh, I get up there. I hope that I do get up there soon. So your reflections on, uh, well, where we are right now after last night's official swearing in and the president's comments, what was your take? Well, I've actually been critical of last night. It was not the official swearing-in. It was just a ceremonial right. swearing-in, but it was also a very political event, and I don't think that the court should have been there. And I wish the president would drop words like hoax and evil with respect to the confirmation process. We need to get it behind us. I also wish that the Democrats would not be talking about investigating the confirmation process and contemplating the impeachment of uh, Justice Kavanaugh. I mean, impeachment is defined in the Constitution as for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. It's almost inconceivable that anything he's done would fit into that uh, category. But the court has been perceived as so political uh, in our society that uh, those who lose these confirmation battles think they can continue them. You know, the court is not a political branch of the government. Its job is not to do the people's will. Its job is to enforce the Constitution, the public be damned. Its job is to preserve the liberty of individuals from the tyranny of the majority. Its job is to strike down the behavior of the executive or legislative branch when that behavior openly and notoriously violates the Constitution. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of unanimous uh, rulings by the Supreme Court uh, coming up. I think you're going to see a surprising consensus among them to the point where people are saying, Kavanaugh voted what? Uh, Because they're going to come to the conclusion and probably have already that their uh, legacy and the esteem with which they are held in American society depends upon their transcending politics. I see. So you think that that's going to ultimately have an impact on their decision-making. Now, rightly or wrongly, obviously, you don't want something... Well, it may very well be, it may very well be wrongly, Jamie. Uh, if, if one of them wants to dissent and the other eight are browbeating the one to go along with consensus so that they can show their kumbaya moment... That's wrong. On the other hand, if the ninth can see his or her way to going along with the others, it will begin repairing the image of the court in the minds of the republic. Interesting. Both Democrats and Republicans are responsible for the image of the court as a political branch uh, of the government. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, it looks to me like a couple of days before the actual confirmation vote, uh, Justice Kagan was being interviewed, and she was uh, lamenting the possibility that uh, Justice Kavanaugh and his addition to the court would uh, would lead to less, I guess, independent independence of the court or whatever. I think she was telegraphing that she did not believe that Justice Kavanaugh could be an independent jurist, which was kind of surprising to me considering how there are a lot of people on the left and liberals who don't like uh, the politicking, but that seemed to be politicking to me. Uh, And I'm wondering whether or not that was actually a subtle message to Justice Kavanaugh that he shall behave. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how to read it. I don't think it was a coincidence that Justices Kagan and Sotomayor, both of whom are graduates of Princeton University. Justice uh, Sotomayor was a freshman when I was a senior. We didn't know each other at the time. Uh, Appeared at Princeton on the evening uh, of his confirmation and swearing in. It was Saturday evening to a very large group of adoring uh, students, you know, basically left-of-center student body, uh, and began to uh, repair the damage done by the confirmation hearings. I don't think that was a coincidence. So I wouldn't say it's a message to him. He's free to dissent uh, all he wants. But I do think it was a message to the uh, public uh, that we understand the harm that was done and we will repair it. You know, it's been said many times the Supreme Court does not have an army to enforce its uh, rulings. Its rulings are basically enforced because people accept it as the final arbiter of what the Constitution uh, means. If it is perceived as just another political branch of the government, like the Congress or the president, it will lose its role as the final arbiter. I mean, this morning there are Democrats uh, saying uh, we uh, want to expand the size of the Supreme Court so that uh, another president, to to take effect after Trump leaves office, (laughs) so that another president uh, can have his or her uh, two parens, extreme close parens, nominees uh, on the court. You know, this this was tried once before by FDR in an era when FDR was personally very, very popular, uh, and it was a disaster, so much so that he, he washed his hands of it and claimed it was somebody else's idea. So I, I don't see that going anywhere, but when you look at that and you look at comments made by uh, Congressman Nadler, who, if the Democrats take control of the House will be the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, that they will begin impeachment, uh, uh, impeachment process against Justice uh, Kavanaugh. I mean, this shows me that they can't accept the fact that this is over. Right. But this is the end result of a process that began a long time ago. Well, the Democrats trashed uh, Bork in 87, and the Democrats trashed uh, Thomas in 91, uh, and the Democrats, the re- Republicans refused to hold hearings for Garland in 16 after Justice Scalia died. 
and now this trashing of uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Now, this is sort of a tit-for-tat, back and forth. You did this to us, we'll do this to you. And it's very, very bad when it's done to the uh, judiciary. All right, and so I know you have just one more minute here. So if we if we look at what came first, it, it appears that in the wake of the calls that, uh, and the warnings that they're going to impeach him, that has ratcheted up uh, the president's dialogue a little bit, or is the president's dialogue ratcheting up the dialogue of the Democrats? I don't know which is coming I think, first. I think the president is of the view that he has a winner here, I don't know that he thinks he can keep the House of Representatives, but I think he thinks he can increase Republican membership in the Senate by using the uh, the bitter memories of the Kavanaugh episode from the past three weeks uh, as a political cudgel. And I think he began doing that uh, last night. That's why I said I was surprised that the court was there. I was surprised that Kavanaugh said yes. I was irritated when he kept calling him Brett. He's not your little boy Brett anymore. He's a Justice Kavanaugh who, with the stroke of a pen, can enjoin you, stop you from uh, making decisions as president. So it's uh, it was a bizarre, bizarre uh, gathering last night. It was a Republican political rally that he had seduced the court to attend, and I didn't like it. All right. But hopefully uh, we can we can turn a page. And I think you'll see him signing on to opinions contrary to what you expected in the interest of unanimity, and life will go on. All right. Well, Judge Napolitano, it's always a pleasure and certainly a blessing uh, to have you on the air with me at Radio Free Almond. And I, I appreciate you very much. And I'm sorry I'm going to miss you in New York, but I guarantee you I'll be back up and uh, we'll break some bread and, and hang out. But I appreciate you, my friend. All the best, Jamie. Good luck on your trip out here. Thank you. Thank you so much. At Judge Knapp, and I know a lot of you uh, on Twitter, I know a lot of you um, don't like that. <laughs> and and here's the thing, though. You have to understand that, that Judge Napolitano is a former federal judge and is from that kind of uh, culture there. The the And, and in that culture – in that legal realm, and, and this is kind of – this is Judge Napolitano's realm, uh, people are, are, are sticklers for that kind of thing. They're, they're, they're people who are uh, sticklers for comportment and for being buttoned up and that kind of thing, and that's kind of how uh, these guys uh, tend to roll. So I just – just you know, I, I know that a lot of you, when when of late, uh, have uh, been you know that Judge Napolitano can't figure him out. He's he's this is, but you have to keep in mind the 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 realm uh, from where he comes, and it's a it's a realm of uh, the judiciary where a lot of it is kind of foreign to us. Uh, there are certain levels of uh, of collegiality and levels of comportment that are expected. And so sometimes that becomes an issue, Uh, but we're in a new era here and you're always going to have people who are a little uncomfortable uh, about the new era. And president Trump is a different person. He's a different animal. He is a different guy. I happen to love it. So I am not in, I, I do not share uh, the judge's sensibilities about this. I don't think that uh, the president's behavior to most of America 
who support him really is a is a bother. It's this is exactly what we paid for. So uh, we I, I don't worry about him calling him Brett or whatever. I mean, he's clearly trying to familiarize uh, Justice Kavanaugh. And that's what people do is they call them by their first names and they familiarize themselves with and humanize them. That's kind of how that's how President Trump operates. And and so, yeah, Justice Kavanaugh does certainly have a great deal of power over the executive branch as a as a Supreme Court justice. Uh, But President Trump is a different guy. He's the guy who is going to slap you on the back and call you Brett, and even though you're a Supreme Court justice. Now, it is interesting, though, uh, for instance, when Obama scolded the Supreme Court right in front of everybody over, the, uh, over a decision they made, that's a different story. Uh, you know, to, 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 uh, to have the Supreme Court in front of you and to scold them in public, to me, is absolutely off the rails and is uh, unacceptable by any stretch. This, after a long fight, to me, doesn't bother me. But people in Judge Napolitano's realm, that's kind of where they sit. So, yeah, it was awesome. And and everything the president promised. I listened to this last night, and I laughed out loud because it was so great. And so does this speak to uh, my general lack of uh, sensibilities and my uh, lack of um, class or whatever? Maybe. But do you think I care? Nah. Don't. This is exactly what I, 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 I voted for. This, this attitude and this swagger is exactly what I expect from the president. And that's what you're going to get. And it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. It, it makes a lot of uh, people who are, um, you know, in the uh, uh, in the uh, in this realm are are uh, are sticklers and they're stuffy and they don't like this. But I love it, and I'm not apologizing for loving it. I love this, and I love the colloquialism. Of the president, I love the president's vernacular. I love his attitude, and so what I saw last night was everything I bought and paid for. And what the it made the journalists all go crazy, it made the media go nuts. It made Judge Napolitano a little uncomfortable, and I, I, I get that. I mean, he's he's from that realm. These people, it's a different land out there. People, a different different place. But the president last night, when I, when I saw this, I laughed out loud because I thought, oh, this is going to, this is going to drive people nuts. And I love it. And you know what? To me, if Justice Kagan can go out there and run her mouth about Justice Kavanaugh, even before he's confirmed, uh, then you know what? A little politicking on the part of the president isn't such a bad thing. This was a major deal. People forget. This was a this was a big deal. You had a you know you talk about polarizing Justice Kavanaugh by his very existence was it nearly as polarizing as three 
born bred liars coming forward and accusing him of serious crimes and terrible acts. And so pardon the president if he's just going to be a little off the grid when they have the ceremonial swearing in of the of the next Supreme Court justice. So uh, I thought it was great to begin tonight's proceeding differently than perhaps any other event of such magnitude. (laughs) And at that point, you I'm sorry, I love this. At that point, you knew what was coming. You knew this was going to be uh, a a fun, Um, absolutely uh, glorious event on the part of uh, of President Trump. Sorry, this woman keeps interrupting me over at CNN. They went crazy, but I'll I'll get to that in a second. I want to get to the gloriousness of the event yesterday. So uh, the the first words out of the president's mouth, I was like – this is going to be awesome. You know it's going to be great. Begin tonight's proceeding differently than perhaps any other event of such magnitude. You better, buddy. Because we're, we're sitting here. We've got, we've got the popcorn. We've got the, the cold Budweiser. Let's, let's see us some Trump action right here, baby. Come on, Donald. Come on, President Trump. Lay it on, brother. At this ceremonial swearing in of Justice Kavanaugh, dude, as they're sitting out there, celebrate. It's time. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize. <laughs> this made me laugh. I'm so, I know, again, I just talked to the judge. He was like, oh, this is, you know, this is uncomfortable, whatever. But can you believe this? How totally, completely, crazily amazing this was? <laughs> on behalf of our nation, you have to imagine this was driving the left crazy. He went out there and he just, I mean, and, and, and you know that he knows that this is driving them all crazy. You know that, that, that in newsrooms everywhere, these hacks were throwing their reporter tablets onto the ground. Get him, Apologize on behalf of the nation. On behalf of the nation. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say, like, you know, on behalf of the nation and God himself, I would like to apologize. I mean, that was what, <laughs> that was the next thing coming, you know, for me. I mean, he should have said, on behalf of the nation, God himself, and every country on the planet, I would like to apologize to Justice Kavanaugh. <laughs> that would have, that would be the only thing that would have made it more awesome. Is 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 that? It was awesome enough. I'm not trying to uh, critique, but you go, you go, President Trump. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize <laughs> to Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering you have been forced to endure. There, he called him Brett because uh, he was familiarizing himself to the. To the country, to to the people who are watching. And he's humanizing Brett Kavanaugh, who has been going through weeks and weeks of dehumanizing. Uh, Weeks and weeks of dehumanizing lies. Lies that represented him as some kind of horrible monster when there was no evidence to back it up. So pardon the president 
for coming out and, first of all, apologizing, but also calling him Brett. Because you know what? He wanted us to see him and everybody else wanted, he wanted everybody else to see him as a human being. And you know what? Justice is our human beings. And that's what we like about the Supreme Court, in fact, that, for instance, if, you, if you're able to listen in at all on Supreme Court proceedings, which is great. It's a new kind of thing that's been done, but you can, you can actually, uh, you can actually uh, listen in and hear the Supreme Court justices uh, talk. And you can and you can and you can hear them, you know, ask questions, and you can hear them make jokes or say something or that. And so uh, it is a humanizing thing for for, uh, for to call him Brett. But man, was this awesome! This drove the left nuts. And I I don't think that I've laughed this hard in a in a long time when I when he began this. I said, this is a. This is the ceremonial swearing in of the next Supreme Court justice. And check this out. This is like a rally in Altoona. I love it. This is everything we elected Trump to do. Show some balls. Get out there and talk directly. Crack a few jokes here and there. And make sure that the people who are trying to tear this country down are on notice that the sheriff is alive and well. Thank you very much. I'll start it from the beginning because it's so awesome. Begin tonight's proceeding differently than perhaps any other event of such magnitude. Of course you will because you're President Trump. And we elected you in November of 2016 to do this. Yeah, to do what everybody now is trying to dismantle. Maybe we should abolish the Senate. Maybe actually we shouldn't have a president of the United States. This is terrible. Maybe we should abolish the Electoral College. Maybe we should divide the country into 16 different sectors. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's people that they're so ass hurt over this election, they're now trying everything. Maybe we should decide uh, that uh, black and white actually are primary colors. And forget about the pri- they're, they're just they're they're driving themselves nuts, trying to change everything. You got these idiots in Portland directing traffic now. Sure, Antifa over this way. No, no police around. No nothing. It's like, gee whiz, where are the drones when you really need them? They're over in Afghanistan getting the terrorists, but they might be soon needed here. But yeah, this is this is driving people crazy. And I love it because you know what? You all made us go through the last three weeks talking about a Supreme Court nominee being a a gang rapist. You lying sacks of crap. We're sick of you. And so you know what? We're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to take a hot poker and ram it up your rear ends. Any chance we get. And that's what this ceremony was all about. Boy, the president, and you knew he knew that 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 the left's hair was going to be on fire with every word he he stated there. <laughs> I just snorted. I snortled. I invented a new laugh, which was a snortle. It's a different. It's a mix between a snort and a chuckle. <laughs> Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, I was laughing my butt off. 
I love this. And you know what? I love the fact that there are so many people from the uh, who are who are some of the uh, individuals maybe uh, with uh, with who are in the you know in the normal realm of things you know like the whole uh, you know the judicial area fanning themselves. Oh, this is terrible! Fluttering their fluttering their eyelashes. Oh my goodness! Whoa! Did you? Oh, did you hear? You know, I could just see Jeff Flake. You may, you, you know how tight his butt was watching this. Where's Jeff Flake, by the way? Where's Jeff Flake and Chris Coons on their little uh, Laurel and Hardy media tour now? No? You know where they are? They're sitting back down in their chairs, and they're watching President Trump chat to them. Oh, Jeff Flake. He must be – He must. I'm so, I, 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 would, I would hope that he, he's, like, sticking his head into a gas oven after all of this. I, I would think these people would all be uh, would all be Thelma and Louising over a cliff after this appearance here. That's just his. This was great. And you know what? Yeah, I'm a Hoosier. Whatever. Call me unwashed. Call me unrefined. Call me whatever. But I love this. <laughs> Made me snortle. It's what it did. On behalf of our nation, I want to apologize to Brett and the entire Kavanaugh family for the terrible pain and suffering you have been forced to endure. Those who step forward to serve our country deserve a fair and dignified evaluation, not a campaign of political and personal destruction based on lies and deception. What happened to the Kavanaugh family violates every notion of fairness, decency, and due process. Our country, a man or a woman, must always be presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. And imagine having to get a round of applause for a basic tenet that is crucial to American liberty. This shouldn't even be, have to be mentioned by the president of the United States, but check it out. Uh, just a reminder, you know, uh, one of the main tenets, if not the main tenet of our judicial process and indeed our concept of liberty is that you are innocent until proven guilty. And I've said this before, you've got some lunatic out there uh, shooting at a cop. And we certainly afford that person innocence before proven guilty because the minute the cop shoots back, people break windows of businesses around here. Oh, he was just holding a ham sandwich. Oh, really? I mean, that, we get that kind of stuff. But, but uh, heaven forbid you give that kind of concept to a nominated a Supreme Court justice nominee. Heaven forbid. I mean, you're you're actually in the realm of of of, of court here, and 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 the guy's not even given even a, a modicum of anything resembling a court process. Oh, it's just a job interview. Oh, I got you. So that means you can just say anything you want to. So it's a sad day, but it's a good day when when the. Uh, when the president mentioned something so basic to our 
American existence and gets a round of applause. But thank goodness they did. Oh, and I'm sure everybody was just like, oh, this is so gauche. I'm sure Jeff Flake was, uh, was, was, in, it was in polishing his buckled shoes during this thing because the great unwashed president that he hates and will try to run against perhaps in the, uh, in the, to, to, to primary him is back to his offensive old tricks, I guess, his decorum. But you know what? When you threaten such basic tenets as innocence before proven guilty, uh, there is no level of decorum that you're going to have to utilize to refute the people who are trying to break that down. So if the president went out and decided that he was going to, 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 to fly a toy helicopter around the uh, ceremonial swearing in with a little sign on the back of it, innocent before proven guilty, he could do that. I, I, I don't care what formulation. There's no need for decorum in this thing. You lay it out there, and he did. And with that, I must state that you, sir. By the way, did the, did, did the Supreme Court justices applaud? I, I didn't tell, couldn't tell. I know Justice Kavanaugh had to stand there. He, he couldn't really do a whole lot with that. But I wonder, did, did, did anybody notice whether or not the, Supreme, the current Supreme Court clapped at that? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know if they did or not. I'm just wondering. Yeah. With that, I must state that you, sir, under historic scrutiny were proven innocent. Thank you. And of course, the only thing—the like- only thing I could possibly uh, correct the president on, when, and I really don't necessarily need to—is uh, the, the fact that the, that in in judicial proceedings generally, there's no such thing as a determination of innocence. You're either not guilty or you're guilty. But but let's face it, okay? This guy was accused on three different levels falsely. All right. So pardon the president if he's a little more liberal with the language when it comes to describing outcomes. Because after all, this wasn't a court proceeding. If it was, these people wouldn't even have been there. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. So, so if you're going to, you know, if I do mention that very lightly, though, about the presumption or about the uh, determination of innocence, because that's generally. Generally, you don't find somebody innocent. You find them not guilty. But this wasn't a court proceeding. So the president could say he's innocent as much as he wants to. And, you know, I will tell you that under any circumstance, that's why they kept calling it a job. This is a job interview. This is a job interview. Uh, Because everybody knew that. Not one of these people making these accusations, not one of these accusations would have ever made it to a courtroom. Not one of them. Not one of these accusations would have ever made it to a normal courtroom under any circumstances. So the president's knock yourself out. Use, Use whatever language you want. Uh, in terms of describing innocence or whatever, or not guilty, uh, I don't care. Because nobody else cared about language and about comportment, about basic judicial rules throughout this whole thing. 
They tried to they tried to run him out on a rail on false charges that would have never, under any circumstances, made it to, before a judge. Never. Ford's lies, Swetnick's lies, and and Ramirez's lies. All three of those women were lying. They had no corroboration for their stories. And the people they named as corroborators didn't corroborate their story. It would have been laughed out of any prosecutorial venue, anyone. You wouldn't even get a warrant to start asking more questions about the thing based on what either one of those people had to say. So, yeah, this was, uh, this was definitely a, a situation that warranted any kind of comportment as far as I'm concerned. So the, the, the president could have had the Swiss guard out there standing behind him for all I care. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, for people like Judge Napolitano and other people, yeah, they're, they're well, I don't know. This was, yeah, okay, I get it. But most of us out there, we love this stuff. We loved it. It was everything we invested in in November of 2016. And believe me, everything that it's and it's everything that's going to continue for six more years. Get six more years of, of this. No wonder you're trying to rename the country. Maybe we should rename the country. It's not the United States. You know, you're, they're trying everything. Electoral college. And then you have people trying to, uh, I don't know, this Senate thing isn't a very good idea. Do you think those white slave owners, they decided to create the U.S. Senate? Maybe we should reconsider the Senate. I mean, no. The U.S. Senate is a brilliant idea, but I don't know. They're, they're, they're actually rethinking whether or not we ought to have a U.S. Senate now. It's just crazy. It's driving them crazy. Then, and, and, and by the way, uh, I, I saw – because this Google guy, do you see the, the, the craziness that he, uh, that he was involved in? He went out. He, he had some kind of uh, Twitter tear uh, after, all, after the confirmation, and he was calling – Kavanaugh and the president, traitor and blah, blah. He has been uh, since, uh, I think, suspended or put on leave of some sort or whatever. I don't know. But something uh, happened to him. But after his his Twitter temper tantrum, all kinds of memes came out that I, I thought were great. So they had a <laughs> – this is great. So there was a square, okay, and it was a um, – and it, it, it was just a picture of – of this woman crying, like one of these crying Hillary supporters, which is, I still can't get enough of watching those tapes of people weeping at the, at the election results. It's not because I'm cruel. It's because it's fun. Okay. It's fun. So they had the picture of this woman uh, crying and then they had, let's see, they had a, multiple squares. In one of the squares, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. And then it had a, I'll find it. I'll find it for you. And if you guys find it anywhere out, uh, it, on the internet, p- post it, please. Well, I guess you can't really. I'll put it up there. So I had the squares, okay? And, this, and the, each square had the woman cry, a, a picture of the woman, her face. Ooh. 
like with in, in full cry mode, okay? So she was in each one. And so it had 2016, 2017, 2018, uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. And then it had the an arrow pointing to the 2018 square. <laughs> and it said, you are here. It was fun E. I love all the all the memes. Uh, as yeah, Jim, see if you can find that because it's really it's really funny. If you and if you haven't found it, you can make one. So you are here, which means okay, it's 2018 of your big major cry temper tantrum. You've got six more years of this left over. What are you going to do? We're going to go uh, to Portland and direct traffic and call people racist. Okay, good. Knock yourself out. We're going to pop into a restaurant. I mean, even lunatics start to get tired of being lunatics after a while. They run themselves ragged. So anyway, the uh, news media then had a uh, had an interesting response. This is CNN. And, of course, <laughs> they didn't like this one bit. As you can imagine, the, the, the panels of people they had on there, they didn't like this a bit. They especially didn't like the uh, the President Trump apologizing on behalf of the United States. On behalf of the nation, I apologize. It's just fantastic. It's better than having when, when Obozo would go over to Europe or whatever. I'm sorry about America, everybody. I'm sorry about all that stuff going about. I'm sorry about that. It's like, yeah, boy, that's it's refreshing to have. Somebody actually apologizing about something that, that, that is, that's worthy of apologizing for. I'm sorry about America, everybody. Thank you for having me over here in, uh, in Egypt. But this is refreshing. So anyway, the, uh, the news media didn't like this. I don't know who any, any of these people are, and I never do. I, I just I, I turn on every time I turn on one of these stations, there's somebody new on there who I've never seen before. Or, or some some new, you know, uh, pundit or new report. I never have seen these people before, and I, I guess I admit I don't watch a lot of CNN. But I, I, hell, half the time on Fox News, you know, I'm, I'm, who is that? Where did what's his face go? Who's that person from the Daily Beacon Gazette or something? It's like, what? Where are you from? That's why I want to go up there. Get me on there. Radio Free Almond. Get a new face, uh, the, a new face at Fox News. Put me on a panel. I get on a panel. I'll dress nicely. I'll dress nicer than I am right now. I won't wear uh, jeans and a t-shirt or a, or, or a hat from the Dixie truck stop. I won't do that. I'll go on with a coat and tie on, and I'll be uh, a good good person. Uh, now, right now I'm regretting... Uh, regretting wearing long pants today. It actually has been, with the air conditioning broken, it's been tolerable in here for a while. But today, it's hotter than the hinges of hell. Hey, Matt, can you let's, can we check the temperature in here just for grins, see what the temperature is? Because um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow, uh, I'm going to start growing weed in here after a while. What is it? What's the temp? It is 80. Oh, okay. It feels like 90. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's just the humidity in here or something. Maybe it's just because I'm I'm on fire. That's why I'm on I'm you know I'm on I'm you know 
lathered up. Maybe that's what I'm sweating like a quarter horse is what I'm doing right now. But it's good for me. It's good for me. All right. So uh, CNN, this is even funnier. So CNN decides they're going to put throw together a panel and uh, and work on this thing. And they're just, you know, as I said, when the president first opened his mouth, when I heard him for the first time, I was going, oh, Lord, this is going to be fun. The left wing and the liberals are not going to like this. Yeah, Jeb Bush and Jeff Flake won't like it either. But I guarantee you, they're not going to the, – the usual suspects aren't going to like this. And, yeah, they didn't. Here you go. Let me begin with you. Um, two very different – you heard two very different <laughs> tones if you – uh, What did I just see there? You just saw the president ramming the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh up the rear ends of the left. That's what you saw, dear heart. Yeah. Yes, from President Trump and from Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I have never seen in a historic – moment like this, a swearing in of a Supreme Court justice. Have wow. It. Brilliant analysis, my dear. What, what made you come to that conclusion? Oh, you mean the fact that the, 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 the president actually told you that was what he, what he was going to do? Like, what does it take for a person who's paid a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or more to, 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 to you pay for that kind of analysis? I would like to begin tonight's proceeding differently than perhaps any other event of such magnitude. So Ditsy decides that she's going to tell us that she's exactly what the president just told us. Very different tone, if you tell uh, messages from President Trump and from Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I have never seen in a historic moment like this a swearing in of a Supreme Court justice. Have the, be- the president told you you uh, that 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 you'd never see a moment like that, or have never seen a moment like that before. So glad you're able to utilize your college education to come to that conclusion. I've just never seen anything like it. It's like, yeah, the president told you you'd never see anything like it. The president told you that you've never seen anything like what he was just about to do. So you know what? The president should have your paycheck. And in this way. Right. I mean, it was really striking. When you bring in the Supreme Court, usually it's at the State of the Union speech. There's a solemnity. To yeah, it. baby. Yes, I know. I know, Snurdly. Usually it's this and usually it's that. But at what point will you finally discover that this is President Trump? So there is no such thing as usually people will do this and usually you do that. Yeah, usually Republicans who are a bunch of pansies and candy asses win elections if they win at all. And usually Democrats who don't care either wind up winning and they're all the usual people. But in 2016, the unusual happened and that as an Americans finally woke up, Democrat, Republican, and Independent, and voted for a guy who is most unusual. Because usually we've sat there and bent over and watched Democrats and Republicans hose us every time down the line. Usually that's what happened. But that's not the case anymore. There's nothing usual about anything that we're seeing, which is awesome to all of us. 
and miserable to you. I'm sorry about that, whoever you are, bearded guy from the beacongazette.com website or wherever the hell it is. Yeah, normally uh, this doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. Right. I mean, it was really striking yeah. when you bring in the Supreme Court. Usually it's at the State of the Union speech. There's a solemnity to it. They are sitting there listening. <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome to Trump world. Welcome to uh, the United States of America and Trump. If you're going to rename anything, rename it that. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the welcome to the new world, buddy boy. Yeah, this is most unusual. I've never seen anything like this. Normally, it's so solemn. Normally, it's just like, this is amazing. I can't believe what's going on out there. Um, there wasn't a sense of, like, introducing the lineup at a political rally, and that's what it felt like to Yeah, well, good. You, you, you got the picture then, didn't you, buddy boy? To wonder what was going through, Elena. There wasn't a sense of, like introducing the lineup at a political rally. And that's what it felt like tonight. And you had to wonder. Well, that's a great observation too. But yeah, it was a political rally. Good. That's what we needed. I, I, I you know, I, I wanted this, I wanted this uh, ceremonial swearing in to look like a rally in Altoona. That's what I wanted. All we needed was, <laughs> all we needed was, was like a bunch of Trump supporters behind the president. That would have been even more awesome. You know, women for Trump, blacks for Trump, union members for Trump, all behind him. That would have been even better. But, I, but yeah, they stopped short of that. I, it's so funny. I, I'm, I'm only 35 seconds in. And uh, we, uh, we're, we're there and, 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 and 35 seconds in and we have two people who are paid pundits who are drawing conclusions that are so blatantly obvious. And those conclusions, by the way, were telegraphed to them early on. Like the president says, this, I'm going to begin this in a way that you've never seen before. And then uh, Barbie Dow goes, he began that in a way I've never seen before. It's like, oh, wow. That's a brilliant analysis right there. And, and the other guy going, yeah, usually uh, this is more solemn. Oh, yeah? Where, where have you been for the past two years, dude? And so I love the fact that these people are all so shocked. They don't know what to do except kind of repeat what the president already told them was going to happen or just express, you know, oh, normally these are so solemn. Normally just people sit down and behave. Yep, I know. I know. Was going through Elena Kagan's mind. Or Ruth oh, that's right. Yeah. Tonight, and you had to wonder what was going through Elena Kagan's mind or Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mind. Yeah, it, how, it how many like of you it, were out there as you watched this, saying, "Boy, I wonder what's going through Elena Kagan's mind. I wonder what's going through Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mind as she rocks in the attic of the Bates Motel. I wonder what I wonder what, what's going through her mind." Did, did, did any of you, can any of you raise your hands and tell me how many of you were wondering what was going through the minds of Elena Kagan when the president was talking like this? Although I have to tell you, it would have been entertaining because what was going through their minds was, oh, Lord, this is amazing and humiliating all at the same time. And so what's interesting, too, is that he's talking about Elena Kagan 
in the context of comportment and about being solemn and whatever else. This is just days after Elena Kagan sat on a stage with Sotomayor and talked about, and this is days before the confirmation vote. This is the same Elena Kagan who sat on a stage predicting that Kavanaugh wouldn't be an independent voice and was, in fact, not only politicking but campaigning against him. And, and this guy's using her as an example of, uh, of, of, of uh, comportment and, and, and ceremony. Oh, Elena Kagan must have been just floored by the fact that President Trump was talking politics during this time. Oh, really? You mean the same Elena Kagan who a week earlier was on a was on a stage campaigning against Kavanaugh? Maybe he didn't notice that because it it appears that uh, he doesn't notice a whole lot that might be new. It looks like Skippy there is uh, not very. Uh, not very, uh, let's put it this way, uh, uh, observant. And, and, and of course, why, why would anybody in America care what's going through the minds of Justice Ginsburg or Justice Kagan while this is going on? And why did he pick those two out? Obviously, they're the, uh, they're the most liberal. But, but, but you know, why, did he, why did he pick those people out? Like he might as well say, he might as well said what's going. You got to imagine what's going through the mind of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, the same thing that's going through her mind every single day is, boy, what a humiliating loss that was in 2016. Damn it! Pour me another glass of wine. That's what's going through the mind of Hillary Clinton. So I guess he didn't need to ask. He made the nod to them and said, thank you, um, but then sort of started calling out people like Mitch McConnell and making some, some pretty audacious statements. Oh, audacious. Of- you mean, well, thank you very much, uh, uh, Skip Tard. I appreciate, you. I appreciate you informing me that uh, President Trump was audacious. Yeah, you mean uh, like he is every time he opens his mouth? Come on, man. Boy, that was, that was quite audacious of uh, President Trump. Oh, really? When, when did you discover that President Trump was audacious, my friend? When did you discover that? And how long did it take you to come to that conclusion? Apologizing to Brett Kavanaugh on behalf of our nation. And I wanted to get your take on... <laughs> oh, and uh- by the way, then they went further. So um, whatever her face is said she was going to that she had a this time it was a it was they added two more people to the panel so now we have uh, her and then four people in a box that 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 I don't half of I don't, our nation I don't know and who want- they are okay so it, now the list grows of people who I don't recognize so one two three four five people and, and uh, they are all now talking the, the, about Kavanaugh and his hiring of women as clerks. Now, of course, uh, presumably, the idea that somehow he is going to uh, hire women, uh, I guess they're thinking in their minds, because obviously they've had this fantasy that he's a gang rapist and a sexual assaulter and a groper, that if Justice Kavanaugh hires women, he's going to spend the rest of his term as a uh, 
Supreme Court justice chasing the women around the desk, you know, just like he was said to do all the time by the women who were interviewed or who wrote letters about him. No, not. In fact, not one woman who ever associated with Brett Kavanaugh ever described him as a misogynist or a person who made unwelcome advances or anything else. There were three who claimed that they came in contact with him, all three with uncorroborated stories. But if you put them up against the more than 100 women who wrote letters and described working with Brett Kavanaugh and who were clerks of his and everything else, not one of them ever described him in that fashion. But who cares, right? Because we're just going to get ahead in the absence of facts. We'll just make it up. Let's just do that. Your take on um, Kavanaugh's outreach nod to women, the, the female clerks that he's hired, um, and what he said during his, his remarks tonight. I mean, the, the female clerks, I guess that's great. Oh, I guess that's great. You mean, after three weeks of describing Brett Kavanaugh as a rapist, as a misogynist, as a groper, as a gang rape carnival barker, after weeks of hearing those allegations and, and weeks of insinuating somehow that the confirmation and even, I dare say, the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh was an assault on all women of America and was an insult to all women of America, he hires, before, by the way, anything, any, any of these charges ever came out, he hires these people and, and, and they're and they're all women, and there are there are four women, and he is making Supreme Court history by having an all female clerk staff. No other justice in history has has done that. And by the way, he's also more diverse uh, in in a week than Ginsburg has been in twenty five years. You know, Ginsburg, the liberal one. You know, the one we were all worried about what was going through her mind during the president's thing. But anyway, so after all that. The, the female clerks, I guess that's great. I guess that's great. I guess that's great. That, what do you mean? You guess that's great. That's amazing. That's incredible. It flies in the face of everything you all have been saying. But that's what we get from what, whoever her, she is. I guess that's great. Folks, I mean, this is, on the one hand, it's kind of frustrating, but on the other hand, it's really fun to make fun of these people. I'm, I'm very entertained. Thank you, Jamie. I, you're very entertaining today. Thank you. No, I, no I, I love doing this kind of stuff because it's so easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. And call up, you know, one minute and 30 seconds of the commentary on CNN, and, 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 and you are given an hour's worth of comedy with these people. Because first of all, they're so predictable. Uh, they're so hypocritical. They're so tone deaf. They're so brain dead. And they're so IQ hampered that it, it just becomes a, uh, a, a, a uh, cacophony of fun. And yeah, this is, this is pretty amazing to hear these people. So, uh, so, hypocritically 
backdoor their compliments of a guy who just came off of being wrongly accused of being a woman hater. Because obviously, as we all know, any kind of uh, sex crime or whatever else is a crime of hate. A misogynist, woman hater, and yet now he hires these women and becomes uh, and makes history in his hiring of women. And uh, and what's your face just guesses that's great. I mean, the, the female clerks, I guess that's great, Kate. He's talked about that before. It felt a little bit like pandering to me. Oh, I see. Okay. So uh, it felt a little like pandering to you. So a guy who, by the way, states as a matter of fact that he has more female law clerks on his staff than any other Supreme Court in history, that's pandering? I don't understand how it's pandering when you are stating a matter of fact just off of several weeks of being called a hater and assaulter of women. women. I said before, there was not anything really new. This is the way he introduced himself in his very first... Uh, For him, though, maybe safe is best in terms of sure. stick to the script. That stick- By the way, why is the complaint that this is, there's not, there was not anything new? Like what? What did you? So on the one hand, this is supposed to be a solemn ceremony, right? This is supposed to be a ceremony in which uh, everybody must behave and do everything else. And Chicky Poo is looking for something new. Well, there's nothing new there. What you want him to? Do? What, what? What? What did you want him to say? There's well, there really was nothing new said. This is a uh, this is a ceremonial swearing in. What did you want Brett Kavanaugh to say? other than what he's already said and reiterate what he said already. I mean, because basically uh, every time I turned around, there was nothing new from Christine Ford. There was nothing new from Swetnick. There was nothing new from Ramirez. Because every time they were asked for something new, they couldn't remember. Hey, uh, Christine Ford, anything new to this uh, allegation? of? I don't know. I, if you could just help me, please uh, tell me when the Safeway was open. Maybe, maybe you could help me. To, yeah. But, but uh, old girl didn't want anything new from them. We wanted something new, like, oh, let's say evidence. Hey, uh, how about a little something new in the way of corroboration? Any of that? No, no, no. Don't have any of that. A- any evidence? No, no, I don't. No. Okay, so you made this allegation uh, weeks ago, and we've gone through this entire thing. And as we continue to pour over uh, and investigate evidence, we find nothing new. In fact, the FBI did a whole, what was the seventh, seventh time they did a, did a background check of uh, Kavanaugh and found nothing new. And they found everything old, which was, the same old BS. The same old BS. But she wanted something new from Brett Kavanaugh. I don't know. Script. It's worked. Uh, but I guess it has worked, but I don't know that it's going to work to make women who uh. are still upset about the treatment of Dr. Blasey. <laughs> right. Okay, so then we get to the whole idea, and she goes back to this well that is being promoted uh, about how uh, suburban White women voters. I don't know why they pick out white women. I guess one of them. When when these pundits, by the way, say white women, what about black women voters? 
I, there, there are black women in the suburbs. I know, I know you, you don't think that in your liberal mind. I don't I, I think only white people can live uh, in the suburbs, and the blacks are in the inner cities with their beaks open waiting for you to feed them something, right? Is that how you see blacks? Because whenever they, they talk about uh, female voters, they all call them white suburban female voters. Like there's not a possibility there could be a black suburban female voter, and there are plenty of them if you are a normal, average, everyday American. But if you're a typical uh, race-baiting liberal, blacks are all impoverished in the inner city waiting for Democrats to come to their rescue, white Democrats. But anyway, she's trying to posture uh, this idea that somehow white suburban female voters are just crazily upset that this white suburban female liar was mistreated. Let's take a couple of uh, parts of this and, and tackle them, shall we? So Christine Ford, first of all, was not mistreated. I don't know who she was, how you could say she was mistreated when this woman's allegation without any corroboration was able to float around in midair for two weeks and was, in fact, supported by the entirety of the news media and even some Republicans who said, we need to hear her out, which was fine because, absolutely, if somebody says they were assaulted, they do deserve to be heard. I get all that. But where was Christine Ford mistreated? Where was uh, where was uh, Christine Ford mistreated by anybody other than maybe me? You know, because because I dared to you know call her on her BS or make fun of her voice or something. But anyway, uh, or or the fact that, that there was hair inexplicably in between her eye and her gla- and her and her smudged glasses, which never happens. Anyway, so so where was she mistreated? In fact, to me, this woman was treated like a queen for crying out loud. There are not many people out there who could say, yeah, he attempted to assault me. Any proof? No. Any memory? No. Any corroboration? No. Anybody there? Yes. Could you give us a list of names? Yes, here it is. They don't corroborate the story either. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe if you give me the, the uh, go back and give me the timesheets for the Safeway from 1982, I can figure something out for you. Right. So who else on, on God's green earth can come forward like that with nothing? And I mean nothing. Nothing but an but a, but a 11-year-old voice and an Oscar Award winning, uh, winning performance. Who else gets away with that? And, and, and the problem is, though, you have real abuse out there, and people like Ford are hurting people who are actually verifiably being abused. What about the next time? What if there is a what if there's a justice out there uh, or a judge out there who might ultimately be up for a role on the Supreme Court? Actually, really did abuse somebody. What's going to happen when that happens? When when let's 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 pretend that a woman 
uh, is out there who's really actually been abused by a judge whose name is on the list of individuals who are going to uh, be uh, put forth. What's going to happen when that woman makes a claim? Well, unfortunately, what's going to happen is she might not actually be believed, which would be horrible. Because she, because people will think, oh, there's another Supreme Court justice sexual assault liar. Oh, well, we had three of those last time. You really think we're going to waste time on this one? When actually she might have like a legitimate beef. She might have a legitimate complaint. But unfortunately, because we've seen so many uh, individuals who have been, uh, had their stories knocked down, she's, uh, she might not get, get a hearing. And that would be sad. That would be bad. But Christine Ford, uh, where was she ever mistreated? I mean, she 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 was able to just run. Well, I almost said unmolested, but she she unscathed, untouched. Well, that doesn't work either. Through this uh, this tube of accusations against uh, Brett Kavanaugh, with nobody coming near her. And every time you questioned her, you were an a-hole. Oh, you must like rape. No, I just don't really buy it over a story. Oh, no, you don't care about women. No, I just don't really see anything in her story. Well, what would your mother think? No, and that's not about what I'm just saying, that I, uh, there's nothing to corroborate her story. You have daughters, don't you? Yes, I have daughters, but I don't believe her story. You know, that, we went through all that crap. Anytime you ever had any doubt about her story, you too were a pull-your-pants-down, drunken slob of a man. Or you too were a, a typical Trump-supporting woman who doesn't have any empathy or care. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, this woman was treated like the queen of Siam for crying out loud. So how was she, how was she mistreated? To the script. It's worked. Uh, I guess it has worked, but I don't know that it's going to work to make women who are still upset about the treatment of Dr. Blasey Ford feel any better. Yeah, it- right. So, so we have, I guess, the, the uh, Ford and all the women who were supporting her and wanted her lie to take hold they're going to be upset, but the rest of you, come on. She was not, she was not mistreated at all. In fact, even the wackiest people, including this uh, drunken harpy Ramirez, were, were treated decently in the beginning. And then uh, the, the news media kid gloved their doubts. Well, I don't know. There are some holes in her story. Yeah, you think? Yeah, nobody's really um nobody's really backing her up. Yeah. That seems to be the case. And and then the one person who I think supported her was uh like a friend of her lawyers or something, of Christine Ford's lawyer. It's like, yeah, we've seen Brett Kavanaugh drunk before. I, yeah. Um a lot of people have been drunk before, but we've seen him drop. Yeah. I mean, you know, then you had, of course, uh, Avenatti and his uh, gang rape Swetnick lady. And there's like nothing to that. I mean, here's a guy, Avenatti, who 
a month ago, oh, yeah, he's going to be the next Democrat president of the United States, this Avenatti guy. Keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on this Avenatti guy. He's going to be uh, a uh, he's going to be the next second coming of the Democrat. He's going to run against Trump in 2020. Stormy Daniels is lawyer. He's going to he's going to he's going to uh, run against President Trump 2020. Yeah. Now, now what's he going to do? There, there are the, the Democrats now are are blaming him for Kavanaugh's confirmation. <laughs> so that's not going to go over very well in the old, uh, to those white suburban female left-wing voters, will it now? Wasn't he the guy who lied and then actually the pendulum swung so far that they confirmed Kavanaugh? Yeah. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. So what is it about the, the mistreatment of her which never happened? There was no mistreatment of her at all in the public square. She was treated better than anybody else out there. Believe me, there are women right now who need to be protected from their spouses or their boyfriends who are harming them, who still can't get a restraining order. There are women who, uh, and although restraining orders are not difficult to get oftentimes, they're not easy to get either. You have to go and you have to have a witness and you have to write it all down and you have to prove that that bruise came from him, you know, that kind of thing to get a restraining order. But there are, there are women out there right now who are in peril in, in, our, in our world who, uh, who are not believed or who actually have to put forth more evidence than Christine Ford ever had to put forth. And, and and you know what's interesting too is I put I actually put a video up on the uh, the Radio Free Almond page uh, and, and uh, last night and and it was of real abuse. It's a really compelling piece of video that a lot of you might have already seen before, but it was a woman. She's in with this clown at a, at, at this uh, veterinary office, and this guy is her boyfriend or husband or whatever, uh, and. Uh, he comes in with her, and he's been abusing her. And, and, she, and they come into the veterinarian's office, the animal hospital, and um, they're both in there. And, of course, he's you know keeping an eye on her, I guess, because he's walking in with her, making sure she doesn't escape or do whatever. But she's, she's in this abusive relationship. And so she – and he's got a gun in his waistband, and uh, she finds a way to take – to. And, and, and give a note to the two um, people who are working at the veterinary place and gives a note uh, to them and, and, you know, says that this guy's beating me up and he's got a gun, so be careful. And so these two brave souls there at the veterinary clinic call the police and about 15 minutes later, the police arrive and they arrest the guy. They make him stand up, they lift his shirt up, he's got a gun, and they arrest the guy. Now, if I don't know much about this woman's story, but if you can imagine uh, how easy had it been for her before this to get somebody to listen to her. Like, like to listen to her uh, 
I wonder how many times she's actually told authorities or even told friends or even told this, that this guy's like beating me up. And how many times was she not listened to? To, to the point where she had to, uh, uh, had to actually pass a note to somebody in a veterinary clinic just to get help. You got to imagine it's, it was hard for her because because otherwise, I mean, she's out running around and she and, and it got to the point where she had to pass a note to strangers to get help from this guy abusing her. So you have to imagine that on a couple of occasions, she might have said something to somebody and she wasn't believed. Christine Ford didn't have that problem. Everybody believed her story. Seemingly. I mean, you, 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 we, we didn't, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, Everybody uh, basically believed her story, and she didn't have to put up one ounce of evidence. And, and this story was 36 years old. So imagine, uh, compare her to the woman who was beaten a week ago who still can't get a restraining order. And if she did, it wouldn't work much anyway. These things don't really work all that well. You know what I'm saying, though? I'm just telling you. So so uh, don't get out the violins for Christine Ford just yet when she taught. And believe me, the women out there who this woman is talking about know better. In terms of it has worked, but I don't know that it's going to work to make women who are still upset about the treatment of Dr. Blasey Ford feel any better. I mean, come on. There, there are women out there who know better. And, and, and by the way, on to the second dismantling of uh, this person's point. Are you tired yet of having the women commentators talk about how this, about this block of female, white suburban female voters, as if they're all a bunch of lemmings who all vote together in a block and blah, blah, blah. The, the punditry do this all of the time. It, it's called actually the soft bigotry of low expectations. President Bush uh, brought that up. It's a, it's a fantastic description because uh, there are people, for instance, who do the same thing with black people. They think uh, black people are, the, are all the same. And they vote all the same, and they're all the same people, and they do this and do that. And, 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 and the only thing they're the same as is us, white people, or me, because there are black people listening now. now listen, but, but, but you know what I mean. And, and they have the same kind of desires as all Americans do, and that is to have uh, uh, stable families and to uh, raise children, have a car have a job, have a house, pretty much the same uh, among everybody or have an income or whatever it happens to be. They all have the same dreams and, ha- and same desires. It's very, very simple. But, but how sick are you of these women who go out there and go, I don't know. And, and these are women who are cloistered in their news media offices and only talk amongst themselves or whatever and who uh, make these assumptions that all women are uh, all women, all white suburban female women believe Christine Ford. Well, I'll tell you the truth among a lot of you. I know uh, this Christine Ford thing was insulting to women. It, It was, it was a clear vision of one woman taking advantage 
of her uh, uh, femininity taking advantage of real stories of sexual abuse and allowing herself to be a political pawn for a party that didn't want Justice Kavanaugh confirmed. Now, that's horrible. When you allow yourself to be pawned out in that fashion, and 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 here's the thing about this whole Christine Ford thing that is uh, that is interesting is that they didn't even feel like they had to bother with the facts. That's how that's how quickly they thought this whole thing was going to end. They they didn't you would think okay her lawyer who by the way as we point out was a uh, was a uh, uh, left wing crazy anti-Trumper, part of the resistance, everything else, you would think that Ford, before she put herself out there, would have like a, a modicum of evidence, like a little bit. And, and, and before she uh, was exposed, she, and I think, I think what they're trying to say is that it was, she didn't want to be a baloney. It's, it, she wasn't, she wasn't f- uh, forced out. She wanted to tell her story in a bad way, and her lawyer egged her on to do it. But, but nonetheless, they didn't even take lift a finger to, to, to get any evidence. Like, you'd think you'd make something like that, you'd at least, like, fabricate evidence. Like, you, 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 at least you'd, you'd you know, uh, you'd fake it somehow. I mean, but they didn't even bother with any of that. They didn't even fake evidence. I didn't have any evidence because I didn't think they needed it. What a sad state of affairs when, when you've got people who make these kinds of accusations and they know in the back of their mind that they could bring somebody down with a fake accusation, a fake thing. And, and I'm telling you, a lot of them, when they said, well, yeah, but you know, the problem is you didn't have a whole lot of evidence. Yeah, it's not going to matter, though. By the time this thing squeaks into the the uh, the media and gets into the into the fabric of our politics, I mean, it, we, we're it's such a sensitive time now because of the Me Too movement. You think anybody's going to doubt her story? We're going to finally have the face-off between the aggrieved United States female and the big bad white Republican male. We're going to finally have that face off. And you know what's going to do, too? We're going to do it. And we're going to do it so it's timed right around the midterms. And we can use this and fly into the midterms by calling the Republican Party misogynist and rapist, rapey. That's what, that's what the plan was. And they actually thought that this was going to work. And then the sad thing is they were almost right. They were almost right. And because you had these Republicans out there who were too scared, none of them wanted to be called a misogynist. None of them wanted to be trapped in the in the Me Too vortex. And so all the calculations that these people made were pretty good. They were pretty on point. They pretty much got almost almost everything they wanted. Almost. But as usual, these people 
are not smart. They miscalculated on one thing. And you know what that one thing was? President Trump. They miscalculated again. President Trump. They misread him. They misidentified him. Just like they did prior to the election of 2016. They miscalculated. They underestimated President Trump. Nah, he's just a orange-haired rube. There's no way. It's a clown car. He's not going to be president of the United States. President Trump? Ha, ha, ha. He's never going to be president of the United States. Well, the poll numbers are all showing it. Blah, blah, blah. He can't do that. He's not going to do that. Yeah. They miscalculated just like they did prior to 2016. Just like they did before President Trump pushed through tax reform. Just like they did right before President Trump X'd out regulations that were killing businesses. Just like they did before President Trump actually single-handedly uh, redrew NAFTA. Oh, he's, there's no way NAFTA's going to – he's not going to do – he can't do that. He, everybody's afraid he's going to uh, blow the world up. He can't he – no, countries don't like him. Boom, Canada, Mexico. Yes, sir, whatever you want, my friend. China's now doing the same thing. But, yeah, they miscalculated on one thing. They had everything, in my opinion, the way they planned this out, they had everything right. They had everything right. That all she had to do was say she was attacked by Kavanaugh. People would be too afraid to question her because they would be uh, – had a uh, – they quit to question her. So, so, so nobody, would, nobody would bother with this. And then uh, – and then suddenly, at some point, uh, we would have Republicans who would acquiesce, and they'd go run and hide. They would get to the point where they wouldn't even ask her questions. And then what they would do is that President Trump, under pressure because he still needs the Republican Party and the Republican leadership, and he will be afraid that this will cause the midterms to collapse. He will be afraid to, to, to do this. That he would suddenly pull the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. He, that President Trump would pull the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh and then we would have our thing. We would be able to, we would be able to uh, do our thing. That's how it would work, right? Well, they underestimated. They thought the president was going to bow to everybody and that he was going to respond to pressure. They figured that the Republicans would all pressure him to pull the nomination. And President Trump was that last obstacle that they just did not get past. President Trump was the last obstacle they could not get past. And if it weren't for if it weren't for President Trump standing by his guy, standing by his man, and standing up, man, I got to tell you, uh, this would have been all over. I have to admit that their plan was a good one. It had it had some pretty solid backing and some pretty solid uh, um, stuff going on. 
They had they had everything dead to rights. They had Kavanaugh. They had the, they had the prediction that the media would follow. They had the prediction that nobody would need evidence from her. They had the prediction Republicans, some of them would go and uh, uh, cave. And they just miscalculated on one very important thing, and that was the strength of our president and, and, and the actions of a man who we elected to stand tall and be tough, and invariably he stood tall and was tough, and that's what we got. So they, once again, overplayed their hand and then also didn't have that one card they needed to go ahead and pull the chips off the table and into their lap. They didn't have it. And, and it's only because of President Trump that we have a Justice Kavanaugh. Only because of him. I know Mitch McConnell did, did a great stuff out there. Lindsey Graham was a fighter. There were fighters out there. But it was ultimately what they gambled on. And, 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 and here's the other thing they thought. Because President Trump himself had been accused of something before, that there'd be no way he'd stand by Kavanaugh. No way. Because, yeah, President Trump, I mean, he, he has his own stuff. He can't latch himself onto some dude who's been accused of uh, of uh, attempting to rape somebody. He can't. He can't afford this. It'll put the beacon back on him. It'll have people go back and and look at all the stuff that he did. So he's gonna he's gonna want to cut this off right away. He's gonna want to make sure this ends. He's gonna he's gonna make sure that 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 because he he needs to get rid of this other stuff about him. So he's going to get rid of Kavanaugh right away because he, he just, he can't have this. Then it didn't happen. Then it was like, Oh, okay. So far. No, so good. I know what we'll do. Um, let's, uh, I, I can't remember who came first, Ramirez or Swetnick. Uh, let's, uh, let's have, uh, him, uh, so uh, let's talk about how he pulled his pants down and showed his, you know what, to everybody. Let's do that one. Oh, and that didn't work. Uh, let's do the gang rape. How that? That's not good. We'll pile these things on and keep piling them on until finally President Trump just doesn't want this beacon on him anymore and doesn't want to attach himself to a guy who's going to be compared to him. And boom, Kavanaugh's gone, and we have our victory heading into the uh, the. Midterms and and they just miscalculated didn't and and President Trump had the balls that we figured he was going to have he had the balls that we elected him to have he had he he had the loyalty that we knew he had to his people even if it could wind up hurting him and believe me in this realm and in this and and in this environment this was a gamble this was a gamble. This was this was something that that might not have worked out for him. But he's a loyal guy and he's got some guts and that's why we like him. So Jim Carafano just texted me and said, thanks a lot for it. He's been listening to the show and says, thanks a lot for everything. And uh, I'm glad you guys appreciate it because apparently some some folks have appreciated the uh, fact that um, when we uh, were with Jimmy, we spent like a half hour talking about the difference between Sunni and Shia and about Israel, about Winston Churchill, 
about 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 our old records. I mean that that's the kind of stuff that I love about this show and having this show is uh, being able to talk at length with with people, being able to talk in a in a uh, in about pretty much anything, being able to talk that if Jim Carafano says something about um, Turkey, I can actually double back and ask him. Okay, so what is that? About? So we learn a lot here. And you know what? Judge Napolitano is great. I know a lot of you kind of are still mad at him over his comments on the show earlier this morning. Uh, but he and he because he didn't like the he didn't like the swearing in ceremony yesterday, the the ceremonial swearing. He he didn't like that because it was too loose for him. Well, you know he's Judge Napolitano. Uh, that shouldn't surprise a soul that uh, that Judge Napolitano is uh, is a little bit more buttoned up than other people might be. But for those of us, well, we uh, we were loving it. A lot of us were, but that's a, that's the difference. So remember, uh, President Trump did call this whole thing um, a hoax, and so this time Don Lemon decided, I know who I'll get on to talk about this hoax thing. I'll now call upon Stormy Daniels to be. Uh, our pundit here. Now, keep in mind, I, I don't really, uh, I don't really objectify individuals based on their occupations. Uh, I, I don't think Stormy Daniels is a dumb woman, uh, and, and so uh, I, I and I think it's I, I think sometimes uh, you know I'm I'm not um, uh, I, I don't think being a porn star is a is a really good occupation to have uh i get it but i don't just i don't just write her oh some porn star it's like well you know she probably has a little bit of intelligence going on for her so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna derail her or objectify her based on her status here but 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 she's not also a player in in this particular justice kavanaugh thing so why would don lemon decide that he's gonna have stormy daniels on with him she was on with him though as a as a on tonight with Don Lemon, and she 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 was interviewed as a as a get a supposed pundit, and Don decided I guess that this was going to be fun to kind of have her on and maybe uh, you know talk to her about what she thinks about uh, Donald Trump calling this whole thing a hoax, and so. A hoax. That is what President Trump is calling sexual assault allegations against new Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Here with me is someone who knows what it's like to be accused by the president of pulling off a hoax, and that's Stormy Daniels. Well, I guess that's a that's that, I guess you're 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 kind of tying the the loose ends up for us there, Don, in terms of why you're having her on. But uh, that's kind of a stretch, don't you think? Uh, Stormy Daniels and President Trump. I don't know what their situation was. I, I, but apparently uh, it was a uh, level of consensual sex, I would imagine. I don't know. Uh, it's none of my business. And certainly it's, I think, between uh, President Trump and Melania to deal with whatever this is. But, uh, but President Trump uh, called the Stormy Daniels thing a hoax because she was accusing him of of paying her off and doing all this kind of stuff, which actually hasn't been adjudicated. That's his claim that this is all baloney, and that Cohen was the one who did this, and and I never 
that was not my desire to pay her off. And that was the crux of President Trump's uh, disagreement with this Stormy Daniels story. Again, it has nothing to do with somebody accusing somebody of attempted rape. So I guess that didn't matter to Don Lemon. Hoax. That is what President Trump is calling sexual assault allegations against new Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Here with me is someone who knows what it's like to be accused by the president of pulling off a hoax, and that's Stormy Daniels, and she has a new memoir out. It's titled Full Disclosure. Oh, okay. She's got a new book out, so we'll just kind of plug her into the the, the anti-Kavanaugh stream here and somehow shoehorn this book in and shoehorn her in and just give an, uh, another level of airtime to Stormy Daniels. Thank you so much for joining. It's a, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. You too. Uh, we're from the same place, from Baton Rouge. You went to high school not far from where I grew up, at Park Vista. You went to Scotlandville. I right? did, Scotlandville Magnet. Years apart. I'm much older than you. Well, you don't look it. <laughs> but thank you, Stormy. Okay, done. Enough, buddy. Listen, um, the president calling Christine Blasey. Plus you're gay, so don't, you're not fooling anybody. Ford a, a liar, something that he called you and your attorney. You, you know that all too well. Yes, I do, for sure. I know, been in the adult business for as long as I have, and being a dancer, like, I've been called plenty of names. Yeah. Um, but I think that when you know you're telling the truth, the worst thing you can be called is a liar. Yeah. Um, and to have somebody so powerful say that, then, of course, all the followers jump on and accuse you as well. So has there ever been... Anything brought forth in terms of evidence or anything else that what Stormy Daniels claims happened, happened? Is there is there anything that she has brought forth that has any paper trail, any evidence, except for, of course, the payment, which came from Cohen, who already is basically a convicted f- fraud? Because what he's done uh, with with this entire case is he's he's already been uh, been accused of fraudulently dealing in taxi medallions in New York City, which is why he was pinched basically, and and why he winds up claiming that he has all this info on President Trump. Where is that, by the way? Where is that info? And we have we have not been able to come up with one shred of any paper trail or any evidence that it was President Trump who uh, wanted to write her a check to shut her up. And we, we in fact, don't even know uh, what happened. And I'm not saying that you uh, that just because she's a porn star, she's a liar. I'm just saying that all we uh, let's 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 find out if there's any evidence at all. And, and so far, Stormy Daniels hasn't had to, except for her saying that she had sex with President Trump, before, obviously before he was president. Uh, there's, there's nothing beyond that, that that we're seeing on paper at all. So I don't know, I don't know how she's being tied into this you know, uh, powerful man refuting powerful woman story. We're just asking, do you have any... Any evidence? I mean, why is it so difficult for us to just ask for a little bit of evidence from these people? But we don't. And in fact, you know, to me, uh, they're being treated just uh, just beautifully because uh, they're actually allowed to to say whatever they want to say with very few people refuting them. And they can write books and everything else. And boom, 
we're off to the races, but but still no evidence. I'm sure that uh, Christine Ford is uh, going to be writing a book soon too. I'm looking forward to Kanye being at the White House on Thursday. That's going to be quite the deal. I'm looking forward to that. I, I wonder what is what the venue is going to be. And is Conway, Kanye going to perform? That'd be even better because, you know, President Obama always had musicians and you know, Stevie Wonder and all those folks perform at the White House. I wonder if Kanye is going to perform at the White House. Or do you think that's like a that's like a trick bag if 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 Kanye's performing and uh, and you've got all these people kind of, you know, swaying back and forth to Kanye's. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out, but Kanye is headed to the White House on Thursday, and we'll see how this thing goes. This will be fascinating. Now, keep in mind, on Friday, the day after it happens, I will be uh, in New York, so I will be on Facebook. I will not be on the stream, and I won't be on the stream on Thursday either, so tomorrow after the show... I'm heading up to New York City. I uh, got a couple of things I'm doing up there, including on Friday. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm efforting right now with Brian Kilmeade to do kind of a, a Facebook live with him. Once I'm up there, the, the the possibility is that that'll be somewhat later in the morning. But I'll give you guys a heads up because right now, for instance, uh, you know, it would probably be in the eight o'clock hour because that's when the show Fox and Friends is over at I think at about nine. I can't remember. I don't know when it's over. But he said we can we can do whatever we can do as long as I can uh, get the thing up there and get into get into the Fox Studios and uh, we're going to uh, to do do that and I'll give you a follow up on all of that and also a lot of you have been mentioning to me the uh, appearance of Josh Hawley uh, who is really kind of out there uh, speaking of Fox News seen him interviewed a couple of times uh, really doing a good job. Uh, on Fox News. So hopefully Hawley's kind of breaking through here and getting him some national prominence. I don't know how much that affects his race here uh, in Missouri, uh, but it still gives him a level of national prominence that might actually help him. And, and you all are seeing him out there, which also helps him in that way. I did see an interview with uh, Roy Blunt and, and somebody, Dana Perino interviewed him, and this was about the Kavanaugh thing. But I did see an interview with Roy Blunt, and uh, Blunt was asked about the McCaskill race and didn't say anything that was critical of Claire McCaskill. I thought that was really interesting to some degree. Then I realized that, uh, that apparently there's some unwritten rule. And I don't know what it is. It says exactly, but apparently senators – don't campaign against their fellow senators, regardless of what their party is. Like Lindsey Graham the other day said, you know, well, I'm going to do something very unusual. I might just get out there and campaign against a colleague. So apparently you're not supposed to do that. I don't know. Because Roy Blunt was oddly not saying much about McCaskill, if anything at all, and oddly not promoting the candidacy of Josh Hawley, which I found interesting. Thank you. From the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studio, Radio Free Almond, dddtrucking.com. Thank you also to Michael Proctor, Proctor spelled like Dr. Proctor Drapery.com. Thank you to Eric Naputi, naputiwellness.com. 
Tracy and Rick Ellis, TracyEllis.com. Santino Cigars and Cocktails in beautiful Arnold right off of Vogel Road. Thank you. And thank you also to Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks, right there in beautiful Rock Hill. Manchester and McKnight is where you can find that. And thank you also to Golden Oak Lending. I'll have one of the guys in tomorrow to uh, give you further updates on what Golden Oak Lending can do for you. 314-567-GOLD. That's 314-567-GOLD. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. 